and we are on air. This is Thursday night, September the 8th, and uh, we are ready for our NASCAR hot top. Well, actually, we're ready for our NASCAR weekend preview of Kansas. We will have hot topic sound off at 10 p.m. Eastern time tonight. Uh, in our first half hour, we are going to start with some short track news and uh, a little bit about upcoming races. We'll also preview the Arkham Menard Series at Kansas Speedway this weekend with some updates about the next races for the Arca East and West. Uh, at 9 o'clock Eastern, we'll start talking about the uh, NASCAR Truck Series elimination race in the round of 10 at Kansas Speedway this weekend. And then the penultimate NASCAR Xfinity Series race for their regular season also at Kansas Speedway. We'll be previewing that race. Uh, we'll close the segment with our preview of the NASCAR Cup Series. It's their second race of the playoff round of 16 at Kansas Speedway. Then stay tuned for our Hot Topic Sound Off with the Fan for Racing crew. That will take place at 10 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Joining me for tonight's preview show is our co-host, Sal Segala. Welcome to the show, Sal. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Sharon. Sorry, I'm trying to run in from from work. I've forgotten about tonight. I'm not used well, to I was Thursday afraid night. of that. <laughs> I did. Because I, 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 I hadn't heard I from you office. all day, and I thought, I better send him a quick reminder before we get started here. Well, you know, you, well, you know I was working in Vegas, in Las Vegas. I just mm-hmm. got back late last okay. night, and I had an early morning job, so I'm just getting back from office and taking care of paperwork. So anyways, okay, give me a couple minutes and I'll be ready to rock and roll. Okay, well, I'm going to start out with one of the big news stories of the day, Sal, uh, about North Wilkesboro Speedway for 2023. Uh, They're moving the NASCAR All-Star Race to North Wilkesboro for next season. Yeah, I read about that. It's, It's exciting. I mean, you know, it's I think we talked about it on Monday, not in North Wilkesboro, but just NASCAR doing different things, you know, to entice the fans. And I think the whole idea of moving the all-star race should have been done years ago, but it's good to see them finally, you know, taking a step forward, you know what, and, and um, you know, finally doing something about it. Exactly. Well, uh, in May of next year, uh, North Wilkesboro Speedway will be capping off a three-day event weekend at one of Stock Car Racing's most storied venues, uh, and that is the All-Star Race that will take place on May 21st of next year. So uh, a lot to look forward to. Uh, It's also NASCAR's 75th anniversary, so what a way to celebrate the 75 years of NASCAR. Yeah, it really is a good way to celebrate. You know what, and um, um, I know, like the fans were hoping to see, a different track, you know, a different venue, but you know what, it's a start, so, you know, just give mm-hmm. a chance, you know, hopefully, hopefully the West Coast will get one of them, I mean, we never expected to get the Bush Clash, and here we have mm-hmm. the Coliseum again, you know, for this year, which they started last year, so, I mean, it, was, it turned out to be a really good event, I'm sure North World Sparrow is going to be the same, I mean, there's going to be a huge buzz for, for this race. 
Yes, there is. It's going to be, I think it's going to be huge. Uh, during the uh, racetrack revival, uh, the stands were absolutely sold out. I mean, they were packed in there at North Oaks Rural Speedway in August. So uh, with the, those kind of results, I think it really uh, uh, helped NASCAR make this decision final. Um, for next year and the all-star race. I think it's exciting. Uh, I'm sure this is going to be one of our hot topics that we'll discuss tonight at 10 as well, uh, but I wanted to get your quick thoughts about it as, before we get to that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for it. So, um, yeah, and I'm sure whatever happens on hot topics is probably going to be uh, an interesting conversation when, you know, when it comes to, you know, to discussion on you know, first of all, of course, the venue that was picked, you know, to start this off, you know, and also, you know, to finally get the ball rolling on it. Yes, indeed. Now, you know, originally they were going to close the track down um, and re-go back to the dirt racing uh, events in October, but that's all been canceled, and uh, it sounds like uh, it's all been canceled because of this announcement that was made today. So uh, I think it's fantastic. I think it's huge, huge news for short track racing and NASCAR, for that matter. And uh, I'm, I'm super excited that it's happening. Now, uh, there's a lot of other things that are happening uh, in the short track world. Uh, super late models are added to the Slinger schedule for this Sunday. The Elite Super Late Model Championship will be decided out at Slinger Speedway. So uh, that's going to be exciting. And that's this Sunday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it definitely will. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of the fans, you know, are looking forward to it. Slinger has always put on some good racing. You know, as we know, you know, every year they have the Slinger Nationals. And, um, you know, this is just another, um, another event for the, uh, for the short track racing world. Exactly. Okay. Um all right, so uh, I'm sorry, I'm multitasking here. So, yeah, that is that is really great that they've added uh, super late models to that slinger schedule for this Sunday, and, again, it is huge news. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? The Tri-City Raceway is set to host the 2022 Fall Classic. Uh, that's going to be big. That's also late models. And then the first event for BPR's Carolina Cowboys, uh, you might recall – uh, that this is part of Richard Childress Racing, uh, th- that's going to happen this weekend at Winston-Salem Speedway. Yeah, that, that's that's another one should be exciting. Um, you know, it's going to be coming up here pretty quick, and um, let's see, I'm trying to get to where you have, I know I did set the schedule out this morning. Uh, here it is. Okay, finally got to it. Okay. There we go. So, so yeah, uh, you know, same thing. Racing America and Flow Racing Cell um, is is where I'm at. So, um, I am uh, definitely looking forward to it here. Um, uh, all of these races that are coming up now. If you want to know what races to watch 
over at Racing America. You can always go to that website, racingamerica.com, and they let you know exactly what teams are available to watch. Some races are pay-per-view events, but uh, it, it really is a lot to look forward uh, to every weekend because there's always a full slate of uh, things to watch. Now, also at Racing America, they have the SHR Presents. That's Stuart Hawes Racing Behind the Smoke, Episode 4, Eric Almarola. Uh, so uh, they're talking about last year at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, and uh, that's something fun for fans uh, to take a look at this week as well. Yeah, and also uh, something just came off the wire today, too, that um, I know a lot of us out here on the West Coast are really looking forward to, and that's to our um, – to our annual um, uh, All-Star Showdown. They finally set the date. Uh, it'll be at Orindale Speedway in 2023. It'll run on the weekend of um, January 21st, 2023, the All-Star Showdown will return to Orindale Speedway. So we'll have the SRL back with the um, with the Pro Late Division, the Modified Division, and, of course, the Super Late Division next year. So no. um, the, payout on, yeah, the payout on that will be, 25000 to win for Super Late, 10000 for Pro Late, and 5000 for the Modified. So that's something to look forward to every, every year at the beginning of the season. Oh, very good, Sal. Thank you for bringing that up. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, we also have uh, Flow Racing also has a lot of uh, races. Uh, the Dream at uh, Eldora is happening this week. It started earlier this week, and uh, there's a lot uh, about uh, some of the people who have already won out there at Eldora over at Flow Racing, and there's so much more here. So uh, fans will want to uh, definitely check that out as well. Yeah, we got a lot of lot of stuff going on um, coming up. I know in the next in the next few months. So. Um, it's going to be exciting. Tony Stewart's really, really, um, uh, really been busy lately. He just picked up another win this past week at the Nationals in drag racing. So uh, his team, TSR Racing, is really, really making an impact in the um, in the uh, NHRA world. Along with, of course, we know that he's the one that owns Eldora, so he's real busy with the Eldora Racing. With the yes, uh, he is. But he's also very busy with NHRA as well. And on Stuart Haas Racing, so it's just good to see him dabble out to all the different um, to all the different um, entities that he's involved in. There's no one busier than uh, Stuart Haas. Um, not Stuart Haas, but Tony Stewart as well. So it's uh, really exciting what Tony is been able to uh, accomplish, and uh, I look for him to continue with that. Now, also, over at Flow Racing, there is a schedule of all the races that are going on. I know in the past we've tried to give you as many of those as we can. It's almost impossible to do because there are so many events there, but there's racing that's taking place even tonight. You've got the World 100 at Eldora Speedway, uh, the Tusca the Tusca. Aurora 50 at Port Royal Speedway and the ASCS Lakeside at Lakeside Speedway, Lucas Oil ASCS. Uh, tomorrow there's another big list of racing and again on Sunday. 
So uh, and on uh, Saturday and Sunday. So if you're looking for racing, this is the place to find it. Uh, and don't forget, <clears throat> we're going to be talking about this next. The Arkham Menard Series is also racing at Kansas Speedway this weekend. So that's going to be exciting to watch as well. And that's going to be available at Flow Racing. Yes, it's going to be very exciting. Um, got a lot of racing going on this weekend. I know everybody just getting back from the um, from the Labor Day weekend and hope everybody had a really good time. And you know what? Now it's time for racing. And, of course, you just got those little bit in. Football season has already started. I know. Isn't it incredible? And what about your Dodgers? Your Dodgers are doing pretty well. Yeah, our Dodgers are doing really super well, huh? looking to hopefully make it to the big game and, and win it. But um, also looking forward to some uh, to our NASCAR, to our championship run with our Cup Series. It's getting very, very, very exciting. And uh, I was trying to make a pick in Vegas this weekend. And I, you know what, I had to just walk away. And I sat there for a couple hours and just couldn't put a, one driver that I thought would actually win the whole thing because it's, yes, that's how exciting our, our racing season is. It's not easy. It really is. 17 different winners already. Yeah, okay, 17. Isn't that a crazy? So, okay. Yeah, it's wild. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on, Sal, to the Arkham and Art Series in that race at Kansas. This is, I believe, the 17th of tw- 17 of 20 races at Kansas Speedway. This weekend, it will be televised on MAV-TV Motorsports, and it's also available on Flow Racing, MRN, and Sirius XM Channel 391 or 981 if you're online. Uh, Now, just to kind of give you more info here, uh, it's the Kansas Lottery 150 on Saturday, September the 10th. It will take place at 6 p.m. Central, that's 7 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, and it is a 1.5-mile oval. They'll race 100 laps. Now, Saturday, September 10th, they'll have a final practice at 9.15 to 9.50, and that's local time. The general tire pole qualifying will take place from 10 to 10.20 a.m. Central, and the race, again, will start at 6 p.m. Central. That's 7 p.m. Eastern time. So, uh, again, this season is winding down, and uh, it's it's starting to get very interesting. Yeah, it is getting interesting, and and we have a really good list of uh, drivers, you know, that are also going to be partaking of this race, too. So uh, I'm sure, you know, all of the fans that are going to be home this weekend will be able to catch in, you know, and uh, catch some of the action. Well, the last exactly the last time uh, the Arkham Menard Series visited Kansas this season, uh, tempers flared and sparks flew. So we'll have to see what happens this time. What appeared to be another dominant victory for Corey Heim uh, kind of elapsed with 43 laps remaining after he and Drew Dollar crashed while battling for the lead, which prompted an irate response from Heim's team owner. Uh, Billy Venturini. Uh, for Sanchez, it turned out well. 
he took advantage of the accident between Heim and Dollar in order to win his second consecutive race of this season, providing him some much-needed momentum that has enabled him to hold on to uh, the points lead throughout the summer. Uh, so Sanchez, you can count on it. He's going to be looking for his third victory at Kansas this Saturday. Uh, but he will face a very competitive field of cards that also includes Corey Heim, uh, who is determined to uh, redeem himself uh, from the heartbreak defeat in May. And also, uh, driving the number 18 for Cowboys Motorsport on Saturday at Kansas will be Sammy Smith, who has won six races between the National Arca Division and the Arca Menard Series East this year. Smith will also attempt the NASCAR Xfinity race earlier in the day. So Daniel Dye and Roger Carruth enter the Kansas Lottery 150 looking to make a run at Sanchez for the Arca Menard Series points lead. Dye remains within striking distance of Sanchez while a blown engine for Carruth at DeCoin caused him to take a major hit in the standings. Now, joining the regulars at Kansas this week uh, include part-time competitors Christian Rose. And by the way, we've got Christian scheduled for Monday night's show. He's going to come on the show. Uh, He's set to make his seventh Arkham and Art Series start with Bruce Cook's team, while Ryan Huff makes his first appearance since his his run at Charlotte Motor Speedway in May. Uh, So also... Uh, this race is going to see the return of Cody Coughlin in his family-owned operation. Uh, Coughlin's team made their debut at Michigan last month when they brought home a respectable lead lap finish, finishing eighth. But let's go through the uh, entire list here, Sal. I'm going to start from the bottom up and kind of give you a feel for how we do this. And we usually go two by two from the bottom up on the entry list. So okay. uh, right now they don't have anyone. It's a TBA for the 06 uh, GreatRailing.com Toyota uh, for Wayne Peterson's team. Uh, and Wayne Peterson will be on top of the pit box uh, for whoever that driver is going to be. Also, Alex Club will be in the 03. He's from Morris, Illinois. He'll be driving the Vesco Lawn Care Harry, Henry Craft Janitorial Supplies Ford. Uh, for his own team, and Ashley Clater will be on top of the pit box. I love to see it when there's women on the pit box in the Arkham Menard series. Oh, yeah, it's always exciting. And then, um, of course, then we go to the 01 car, Zachary Tinkle, from Speedway, Indiana, racing for rescues in a Ford. Michelle Hillenberg and Dallas Frew would be his uh, his uh, crew chief. And then... um. Then we got Sharon just mentioned right now that Cody Coughlin's making his return in the 72 from Delaware, Ohio, in the Jags Coughlin Company. Um, Jags is, of course, they own their own um, speed company, which does a lot of stuff for the NHRA also. He'll be driving a Ford yeah. with John Coughlin, and Kevin Hamlin will be his, yeah. his crew chief. Isn't that awesome? Also, yeah. uh, Scott... Scott Melton will be behind the wheel of the number 69. Uh, He hails from Rockford, Michigan. He'll be driving the Melton McFadden Insurance Agency, Donna's Donuts Toyota, for Bill Kimmel. And Bill Kimmel will be on top of his pit box. Driving the familiar number 48 is Brad Smith from Shelby Township, Michigan. Uh, The Copa. 
Cabrera.com Chevrolet, and Kobe Evans will be on top of the pit box for Brad Smith. And then we got the number 44 entry of Ron Ron Vandermeer Jr. from Sheridan, Illinois, in the Mac Rack Repair Finish Line Flooring Ford with Jeff McClure as the owner and Ron Vandermeer Sr. as the crew chief. And then uh, the next on this will be, of course, the famed 43 of Daniel Dye from DeLand, Florida, and really awesome sponsors, Race to Stop Suicide. That is, mm-hmm. I mean, really great. That's a really great sponsor for those of you who have been following social media. They've A lot of drivers, along with a lot of the just uh, people in social media, have been really talking a lot about this. We've lost a lot of people because of suicide this season. But anyways, he'll be driving the Chevrolet, owned by Maury Gallagher, and Chad Bryant will be on the box for him. Okay, next up we have Christian Rose, our guest for Monday night, uh, driving the number 42. He hails from Martinsburg, West Virginia, and uh, he's a big supporter of the West Virginia tourism, hashtag almost heaven, Toyota. He'll be driving for Cook Racing Technologies, and Derek Peebles will be on top of his pit box. And another guest of ours uh, earlier in the season, Greg Van Alst, will be behind the wheel of the number 35 from Anderson, Indiana, driving his familiar CB fabricating Ford for his own race team with Jim Long on the pit box. And then our first entry from way out from Winnipeg, Manitoba, is Amber Balkin. She'll be driving the Icon Ford for Mark Rett, and Mark Rett will also be the uh, the crew chief. And then... Another woman entered into the into the race will be the 25 of Tony Brenninger from Hillsboro, California, out here from my, from my uh, neck of the woods. And the FP Movement, Toyota, Kathy Venturini, crew chief Kevin Reed Jr. For those who don't remember Kevin Reed Jr., he was one that helped Todd Gillen and win all his Canon uh-huh. West Championships. And he was also on the box for... Um, for uh, Haley Deegan when she had her stint with uh, Bill McAnally Racing. That's right. Okay, driving the familiar Venturini uh, number 20 is Corey Heim from Marietta, Georgia. He'll be driving their Crescent Tools Toyota, and Shannon Rush will be on top of his pit box. Mark McFarlane is on top of the pit box for Kyle Busch Motorsports, and the familiar number 18 driven by Sammy Smith from Johnston, Iowa, He'll be driving the TMC Toyota. And then we have the number 15 of Parker Chase from New from New uh, Bronzeville, Texas, on the Vertical Bridge Toyota with Bill Vettrini as the owner. And Kevin Reed, Jr.'s father, Kevin Reed, Kevin Reed will be on the box for Parker Chase. And then we have the number 12, Tim Monroe from Elmwood, Illinois, with the FastTrackRacing.com Ford. Michelle Hillenberg is the owner, and Tim Monroe will be on the box for Tim Monroe's, uh, wow, okay, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? I've seen that before. How do you crew chief your own car? That threw me for a spin. (laughs) I thought I I I thought it was junior senior at the end, but I guess he's (laughs) guess he's he's gonna he's pulling double duty. Yes, he is pulling double duty. 
Okay. From Williamsburg, Virginia, I've been there, and it's a really interesting place. Uh, Ryan Huff will be behind the wheel of the number 11 Southeastern Services Board uh, for Andy Hillenburg, and Dick Dohaney will be his crew chief. Mike Schroof will be crew chiefing the other Andy Hillenburg entry, uh, which is a Chevrolet driven by John Garrett, the number 10. He's from Athens, Texas. He'll be driving that Rock Creek Distillery Fort Worth screen printing Chevrolet. And then at number seven, we got Matt Wilson from Springfield, Arkansas, in the R.A. Wilson Enterprises Toyota, owned by Eric Caudell, um, Crucy for Jeremy, Jeremy Petty. And then, uh, and then the number six is Raja Karuth from Washington, D.C., and the Gamebridge Max Siegel Incorporated Chevrolet Max Siegel-owned car with Brad Beans on the box for him. And his teammate in the number two from Miami, Florida, the Max Siegel Inc. Gainbridge Chevrolet for Max Siegel with Matt, uh, is Nick Sanchez. I don't think I said Nick Sanchez. Um, but his crew chief is going to be Matt, Matt Butcher. So, uh, it's going to be a fun one to watch, Sal, this, uh, race out of Kansas Speedway. Uh, Kansas used to be kind of their, uh, season finale. Uh, not this year though. It's going to be out of Phoenix. Uh, so this is kind of a kind of a, an interesting race, and especially after all of the action that took place earlier this year, uh, these guys are itching to get back to Kansas uh, to see what they can do on this track. There's going to be it's going to be tough competition. Yes, you know, and also you know, just to see Amber Belkin and, and Tony uh, Brightinger, you know, they're they're two of the regulars. I think. I think they have they have raced every race this season, you know, to see them two, you know, to see the two women, you know, women battling it out. And actually, you know, they're I know they're friends off the track because they they I've they've both been to Irondale and Super Late models before, and um, and I know they're kind of you know really good friends with each other. But it's good to see you know, especially Amber, you know, coming out from all the way from Manitoba, Winnipeg. That's yes. a that's a, a that's a long haul. I mean, that is a long haul. And when you think about how they, you know, where they are in the standings for the Arkham Menard Series, uh, they're in that top ten, and they're one of the one of the drivers that have raced. Uh, let's see, let me see. Tony's been in sixteen of sixteen races. Amber has also been in sixteen of sixteen races. So they've competed all season long, and that's pretty cool too. Yeah, it, it, it takes a. During the top ten, it takes a lot to you know, to race every race, you know, to hold on to the sponsorship, you know what, and then, you know, especially when, when you're talking about a traveling series, you know, that travels, you know, to all the different tracks, you know, it's 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 not easy, you know, to find sponsors, you know, that carry you, you know, for the whole season like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, let's go ahead and cover the points report for the Arkham Art Series. I know we did it Monday, but – uh, we have different people maybe that tune in for Thursday night, so uh, let's just refresh everybody's mind on where we are in points in this series. Okay. Okay, on points, we are at Nick Sanchez. We're still leading the points. Daniel Dye is in second, 10 points out. And then you got Roger Caruth, who is 20 points out from Nick Sanchez. And then from there, then we go to fourth, which is Greg Van Alst. Fifth is Tony Brenninger. Six is Sammy Smith with only 12 race, 
only 12 races in and, and all these other drivers have 16. So that kind of, kind of tells you where they're at. Um, seventh is Amber Balkin. Eighth is Brad Smith. Ninth is Taylor Gray. And round out the top 10 is Jesse Love with 11 races in. Yes, indeed. So, uh, uh, there's only, what, three of those drivers that have not raced the uh, full season. Uh, so it's it's been really most competitive the, between the top three drivers. And I look for Raja Karut to really make a comeback this week uh, at uh, Kansas Speedway after a disappointing finish uh, last week. He's going to be looking he, – he's not going to be happy with third place. He's going to be looking to uh, close up that points gap. Yes, exactly, and it's kind of neat to see in the top ten, you know, you look at all the American flags, and you see the one in seventh, you know, Albert Balkin, you know, with the, uh, you know, with her, um, with, uh, with her, with her country's flag in there, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know, it's neat to, like I said, you know, to see her, you know, come out, you know, as far as she does, you know, to race it, to have the all 16 races in. I know we, we've been, we know she's going to finish out this season, you know, so she ain't going to yeah. have any, any uh, racing lose any races so but yeah that top three is going to be um it's going to be exciting you know to see you know how they like you said roger's not going to just lay back and and be happy <laughs> with the third he's really going to be pushing for that you know to move past daniel die and hopefully catch nick sanchez and we've seen all year long that um uh nick sanchez and daniel die are tough competitors aware as well but Corey Himes going to look to be a spoiler this weekend, without much doubt. And there's an article about that, uh, and it says Corey Himes determined to finish what he started at Kansas Speedway. Uh, there's some notebook notes about that. If uh, you want to have more information about uh, uh, Corey Himes and what happened to Kansas Speedway last year or earlier this year, in fact. Yeah, you know, just a little note. You know, you got to remember, you know, Daniel Dye went through some issues earlier in the season, you know, mm-hmm. where he was, you know, he was suspended indefinitely, you know, until he was found, you know, not guilty, you know, of, of you know, just some little college, you know, a little bit of college fun, you know, but it's good to see him back behind the wheel again. It's good to see him competing, you know, and it's good, was even better, you know, was that the truth came out, you know, wanted to find out, you know, it was nothing, you know, no, no, uh, no harm, no foul, basically. Exactly. Now, the Bush Beans 200 will be taking place uh, September the 15th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and that will be a Sioux Chief Showdown event along with the Arkham Menard Series at Bristol Motor Speedway, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1. The next race for the Arca West will be at All-American Speedway, the Napa Auto Parts 150. That will be October the 1st at 6.45 p.m. Pacific time. That would be 9.45 p.m. Eastern time. And just so you know, September the 15th is Thursday. So next week, look for us to maybe do a podcast on Wednesday uh, since there will be racing that's taking place on Thursday night. Okay, Sal, we need to move now over to our truck series. Um, The truck series... um, race that's going to be at Kansas Speedway this weekend, and uh, I'm going to give you the details on that as soon as I get to it here. The Camping World Truck Series will race the Kansas Lottery 200 at Kansas Speedway this Friday, September the 9th. That's tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. 
Uh, it'll be televised on Fox Sports 1 at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, and radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. They will be racing a distance of 201 miles over 134 laps. Stage 1 and Stage 2 are about 30 laps each, with Stage 1 ending on lap 30, Stage 2 on lap 60, and, of course, the final stage ends on the last lap, which is 74 laps, and it will end on lap 134. We go from the bottom up here, Sal. So okay, let's start with the owner find... playoff update for the camping okay, world. So we're going to... Okay, so we're going the to the owner. And notes. I gave you a link on teams. Okay, yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't. Yeah, let me see. I'm going to have to use my phone it's... off on this one then. Okay. Um, and it's the news and notes. Okay, let me uh, go back here to where I was. I'll go ahead and get started. Uh, the Camping World Truck Series uh, owner's playoff date has Kyle Busch Motorsports' number 18 Toyota taking the win at Richmond. They're the only team currently locked into the Camping World Truck Series round of eight, leaving seven spots wide open heading into the round of the round's finale at Kansas Speedway on September the 9th. Now, the highest-ranked team without a win in the Truck Series uh, owner playoffs is Front Row Motorsports' number 38 team. They're up plus 46 points on the round of eight cut line. Plus, the number 38 team is the most recent winners at the next track on the schedule, which is Kansas. At the other end of the playoff standings, uh, straddling the playoff round of eight cut line is Nice Motorsports' number 42 Chevrolet team in the eighth and final transfer spot on points. They're up two points over Team DGR's number 17 Ford team in ninth and the first spot outside the round of eight cutoff. Now, not far behind DGR's number 17 Ford team in ninth is Thorsport Racing's number 98 Toyota team in the tenth in tenth, uh, the basement of the playoff standings. But within the striking distance, uh, they're just three points behind Nice Motorsports' number 42 team. Now, keep in mind, that is the owner playoffs update. But let's take a look at the rookie update. Okay, so don't go rookie of the year standings update. Cobblish Motorsports rising star Corey Heim has strengthened his grip on the 2022 NASCAR Capital Truck Series Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings after posting his third straight top five finish and fifth overall on the season at Richmond Raceway. Now the, the Marietta, Georgia native has an 87-point lead on second place in the rookie standings, Nice Motorsports' Lawless Allen. Though Heim has only participated in 11 of the 18 scheduled races this season, he has been on the top of his 2022 rookie class, putting up two wins, one in Atlanta, one in Gateway, five top five finishes, and six top tens. The, the Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings are as Corey Heim has 335 points, Lawless Allen has 248 points, Lawless's teammate Dean Thompson has 227 points, Jack Wood has 220 points, and Lawless Allen and Dean Thompson's other teammate, Blaine Perkins, has 150 points. Okay. Now, this is the last chance for Josevar and Eckes. Uh, right now, they are on the outside looking in. 
So Carson Hosevar is from Nice Motorsports is down three points, and Thorsport Racing's Christian Eckes is down six points. So they're still within striking distance. They're the two drivers that are currently below that round of eight cut line, with just one race left to secure their spot. Now, Hosevar's playoff started with a 21st place finish at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. Uh, he followed that up with a 10th place finish at Richmond. Now the uh, Michigan native finds himself that, that was three points back from Crafton, who sits in that final transfer spot in eighth. This is Hosefar's second playoff appearance. He hopes uh, to better what he did in 2021 when he was eliminated in this round of eight. Unfortunately for Hosefar, Kansas is not one of his better tracks. In two starts, he has an average finish of 19.0. He finished 15th at Kansas earlier this season. On the other hand, Eckes kicked off his playoffs with a 16th place finish at Indianapolis and finished 8th at Richmond, leaving him just six points back from his Thor Sport racing teammate, Matt Crafton. Again, he's the 8th place driver. Eckes is looking to build on his only other playoff appearance in 2020 when he was eliminated in the round of 10. Luckily for Eckes, Kansas has been a great track for him. In five series starts, he's posted three top fives, four top tens, and his average finish at Kansas is a uh, pretty good and impressive 6.0. He finished fifth at Kansas earlier this season. And then from there, um, Chandler Smith rockets out front with playoff win at Richmond. Kyle Busch Motorsports driver Chandler Smith took the playoff win at, at Richmond Raceway a few weeks back in dominant fashion, leading 176 of the scheduled 250 laps. And with the victory, catapulted himself into the second round of the NASCAR Captain World Truck Series playoffs. Now the Georgia natives sit atop the postseason standings by two points over front row Motorsports, Zane Smith, as the series prepares for the final race of the playoffs, playoff round of 10 at Kansas Speedway on September 9th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now Fox Sports 1, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. KBM Smith joins GMS Racing's Grand Enfinger as the only two drivers, as the only drivers locked into the playoffs round of eight heading into Kansas. Front row motorsports, Zane Smith, leads the drivers without a win. This round in the postseason standings at 2,109 points, up 46 points on the final, on the point on the round of eight cut line. Smith is followed by John, John Hunter Nemechek, Ty Majeski, Stuart Friesen, 2021 series champ Ben Rose, and veteran Matt Crafton, who sits in the eighth and final transfer spot on points and is up just three points on Nice Motorsports' Carson Hosevar in ninth, and six points on Thor Sports Racing's Chris Inecki with tenth. After his big win at Richmond, Chandler Smith is now tied with Zane Smith for the most wins on the season with three each. In 18 starts this season, the Cowboys Motorsports star has put up career season highs and wins three, Las Vegas, Pocono, and Richmond, top fives eight, and top tens 12. Looking at Kansas this weekend, Smith has also run well on the 1.5-mile facility, posting two top tens and an average finish of 6.7 and three career starts. He finished fourth at Kansas earlier this season. Okay. 
Um, now, looking at the uh, Camping World Playoff Contenders career performances at Kansas, uh, you've got Chandler Smith, who has the three wins, uh, no polls, but he does have the two top fives and two top tens, average finish of 6.7, and a driver rating of 98.3. But that's not the best. You've got Zane Smith. Right now he's in second. He's got five race wins. I'm sorry, he's in five races. He's got one win, one top five, and four top tens. And uh, let's see, his driver average finish is 6.8. His driver rating is 122.5. That's the highest driver rating at Kansas of these playoff drivers. John Hunter Nemechek in five races at Kansas has the one pole. He's got three top fives, four top tens. His average finish is at 9.2 with a driver rating of 103.5. He's the only other driver over 100 in the driver rating. Grant Infinger in fourth has eight Kansas starts. He has four top fives, six top tens, uh, average finish of 7.0 and a driver rating of 93. Ty Majeski has three races at Kansas, one top five, one top ten, and one DNF. His average finish is 14.3. His average, his driver rating is 80.5. Stuart Friesen has seven starts at Kansas, one top five, one top ten, and two DNFs, making his average finish at 19.9 with an 84.6 driver rating. Ben Rhodes, I might have to rethink my uh, pick for this week. He has nine yeah. starts this this season or this at Kansas Speedway. Uh, he has two top fives, five top tens, one DNF. His average finish is at 12.5. His average, his driver rating is 94.4. Matt Crafton, the fellow who's sitting on that, uh, on top of the cut line, has 24 starts at Kansas with one pole, three wins, seven top fives, 14 top tens, and three DNFs. That makes his average finish 11.5 and his driver rating 94.1. Uh, now, we kind of covered this with Carson Hosevar and Christian Eckes, but I'll just restate it. Uh, Carson only has the two starts at Kansas. Uh, no top fives, no top tens. His average finish is 19.0. His driver rating is 74.6. That does not bode well for him this weekend, but maybe maybe he can uh, improve on that stat. Christian Eckes in 10th has the five starts with three top fives, four top tens, a 6.0 average finish, and a driver rating at 99.4. That has to give the edge to Christian Eckes right there. Oh, yeah, it definitely gives the edge to Christian Eckes. Carson just doesn't, hasn't done, I mean, at least he don't have a DNF. So, I mean, he has, so he's finished the races. The two that he did have there, he did finish them, so. That's a plus right. when you look at Matt Crafton, who has three, but Matt also has 24 races at Kansas. So, um, exactly. But yeah, Carson isn't looking too. He's not looking too good to. Uh, but anything can happen. Okay, let's look at the clinch scenarios for Kansas. Okay, can clinch can clinch via points. Um, if, if there is a repeat winner on a win by a driver who cannot advance to the next round, the following drivers could clinch by being ahead of the seventh winless drivers in the standings. 
The same point requirements listed below would hold true if a win, if a new win comes from among Zane Smith, John Hunter Nemechek, Ty Majeski, Stuart Friesen, Ben Rhodes, or Matt Crafton. Zane Smith would clinch with 10 points. Win a stage and he's in. Mm-hmm. Finish second in two stages and he's in. John Hunter Nemechek would clinch with 13 points. Ty Majeski would clinch with 20 points. Stuart Friesen would clinch with 25 points. Ben Rhodes would clinch with 34 points. He's 35 points if Crafton wins. Matt Crafton would clinch with 53 points. Carson Hosevar would clinch with 55 points. Needs help if Crafton wins. Christian Eckes would, uh, could only clinch with help. <laughs> yeah. The meaning of win. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, they might as well just put it out there. Yeah. Um, let me see. If there is a new winner from Carson Hosovar or Christian Eckie, the following drivers would clinch by being ahead of the six wooden list drivers in the standing. Zane Smith would clinch with 13 points. John Hunter Nemechek would clinch with 16 points. Tyman Jesse would clinch with 23 points. Stuart Friesen would clinch with 28 points. Ben Rose would clinch with 38 points. Matt Crafton could only clinch with help. Carson Hosevar could only clinch with help, and Christian Eckes could only clinch with help. So we were talking about Christian Carson Hosevar earlier, and actually Christian Eckes is the one that needs all the help. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it sounds there anyway. Uh, we should also mention that there are two drivers that have already clinched their ticket or uh, punched their ticket into the next round, and that's Chandler Smith and Grant Infinger, who both have wins. Okay, now then... Uh, Kansas uh, sets the stage for the elimination race for the Camping World Truck Series. After a small hiatus, uh, they're back and at full song this weekend at Kansas Speedway uh, for the Kansas Lottery 200. Uh, let's see. GMS Racing's Grant Infinger and Cow Push Motorsports' Chandler Smith are the only two drivers locked into the next round. That leaves eight drivers looking for those next six spots. Uh, Friday night, and two drivers' postseason runs will be over when the checkered flag flies. So Kansas, we know, is a 1.5-mile paved oval with four turns and variable banking from 17 to 20 degrees. Uh, the truck series has competed at Kansas 24 times. That explains Matt Crafton. He's raced every every time there producing 16 different pole winners and 20 different race winners. Hall of Famer Ron Hornaday Jr. leads the series in poles at Kansas with three consecutive uh, from 2008 to 10. Thorsport Racing's Matt Crafton uh, took the pole in 13, 15, and 20. Kyle Busch in 14, 17, and 21. And leading the Camping World Truck Series in wins at Kansas Speedway with three each. Uh, the three of the 20 Camping World Truck Series winners are active this weekend. That, of course, includes Matt Crafton with three, Brett Moffitt with one win, and front row motorsports driver and regular season champion Zane Smith has the one win, and that was earlier this year. This season marks just the second time that Kansas has hosted the Camping World Truck Series playoff race from 20 to the current season, and the first time that it will be an elimination race. The first Truck Series playoff at uh, Kansas was on October 17th of 2020, and the event was the first race in the round of eight. It was won by playoff contender Brett Moffitt. Uh, That propelled him into the championship for a round. 
Kansas has also the fourth different track to host the Camping World Truck Series first round elimination race since the inception of the playoffs uh, in the series. That was in 2016. Joining Talladega Super Speedway in 16, 17, 18, and 20, Las Vegas Motor Speedway in 2019, and Bristol Motor Speedway in 2021. Now, six different drivers have won the elimination race of the first round of the Camping World Truck Series playoffs, including current postseason contenders Grant Infinger in 2016 and Chandler Smith in 2021. So uh, Grant Infinger, we mentioned uh, that he did it in 2016. It was race uh, uh, that was in October of uh, 2016 at Talladega. Parker Kligerman did it in 2017 uh, at Talladega in October. And in October of 2018 at Talladega, it was Timothy Peters. In 2019 at Las Vegas, September, it was Austin Hill. And October of 2020, Raphael Lassard. I missed that guy. And on Thursday, September 16th at Bristol Motor Speedway, it was Chandler Smith just last year. Uh, so Friday night's race, again, will be broken up into uh, – Three stages, and uh, they will begin their on-track activity within the Cometic Gasket Pole qualifying on Friday, September the 9th, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern, and that will be televised on Fox Sports 1. So do you have a favorite to yeah, pick that's... for uh, the Camping World Truck Series? You know what? Just back to what you said about Rafael Lassard. That's a name we haven't heard in a long time. You know, you've got to wonder... <laughs> What what happened to him? Uh, you he know just what? Kind of disappeared. Big, yeah, I don't know. You you almost have to go with Zane Smith. You know he's uh mm-hmm. his driver's rating is the the best over here. Um, but you also got to look at it. that's only five races in the in the books. But you go, you got to look at Matt Crafted. You know, as a veteran, and uh, you know he's got he's got three wins at this track in twenty four starts. So. Um, I think I think he between him and Grant Enfinger they're 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 the most experienced here at the well actually Ben Rhodes too because Ben Rhodes has nine nine starts but you know you got to kind of to Matt Crafton too. But well, we'll have did. to see what and happens. Then, yeah, I mean Matt Crafton, you know he's he's still fighting for it and uh, you know he's uh, he's good at this track but you know I would have to you almost have to go with Dane Smith. Yeah, I think that's a good pick, Sal. Okay, now we're going to move on to the Xfinity Series. They're also racing at the Kansas Speedway this weekend. Uh, The Kansas Lottery 300 will take place Saturday, September the 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and it will be televised on USA's network at 2.30 p.m. with the pre-race coverage. Also on MRN and Sirius XM Channel 20, I'm sorry, Channel 90, Uh, the distance is 300 miles over 200 laps, the first two stages are 45 laps each, ending uh, stage one on lap 45, stage two on lap 90, and the last stage is 110 laps, ending on lap 200. So uh, for the Xfinity Series uh, notes here, what do we have, Sal? We got out. Roger Carruth is back in an Xfinity car. Roger Groot, the product of the NASCAR Drive for Diversity Developmental Program, drives full-time in the Arc of an Arc series. 
but has been getting its feet when it's finished through this season. I will continue to do this weekend at Kansas Speedway. He's had three starts thus far, Richmond, Dover, and Pocono. I will post his fourth start in the Kansas Lottery 300 in the number 45 Alpha Prime Racing Chevrolet. Uh, Sonoco oh. Rookie of the Year update. Yeah, I'll okay. do that one, Sam. Yeah, okay. and then we've okay. got the Sonoco Rookie of the Year updates. Uh, it's crunch time in the regular season, but Richard Childress Racing's uh, Austin Hill has created a pretty hefty cushion uh, between himself and the competition. Going into this week's race at Kansas, he leads the group with a hefty 704 points. Now, his teammate, Sheldon Creed, uh, have had a great performance last weekend. He comes in second at 539 points. He posted three top fives and ten top tens this season. And Kyle Seeks sits third with 204 points, with Jesse Awuji sliding in next at 84 points. So uh, look for Austin Hill to be the uh, rookie of the year there. Uh, next up is our clinch scenarios again, Sal. Who's... Uh, Okay. Two races and five spots left. Okay, can Clint's regular season championship. Additionally, the regular season championship could be clinched by the following drivers. A.J. Allmendinger could only clinch with help. Stuart Haas Racing's Riley Herbst with 651 points and J.R. Motorsports' Sam Mayer with 648 points <coughs> are the highest-ranked dri- drivers that's going to win. So you can be sure that they will be racing hard this weekend in hopes of taking the checkered flag. Herbs has three starts at Kansas Speedway with one top 10 in 2020. Mayer has one start at the 1.5-mile track where he posted an eight-point finish in 2021. Oh, okay. You started at the bottom of that. Okay. Now, there are, there are yeah. some drivers that have already clinched. Uh, in the in the 12-driver postseason field. Seven of those drivers are A.J. Allmendinger, Ty Gibbs, Justin Algauer, Noah Gregson, Josh Berry, Austin Hill, and Brandon Jones. So they're not too worried these next two races, but these other drivers uh, are really looking at what they need to do. Uh, so it, if the following drivers could clinch by being 56 points above the fifth winless driver in the standings, uh, the same point requirements listed below will hold true if a new win comes from among Riley Erbst, Sam Mayer, Daniel Hemrick, or Landon Castle. Now, Riley Erbst needs 15 points, Sam Mayer 18 points. Daniel Hemrick uh, can only do it with a win as well as Landon Castle. If there's a new winner from Ryan Sieg or another winless driver lower in the standings but still eligible to advance into the playoffs, these drivers could clinch by being 56 points above the fourth winless driver in the standings. So Riley Earps would then need 33 points. Sam Mayer, 36 points, and Daniel Hemrick uh, can only do it with a win. Now, these drivers uh, can clinch on a win alone. Uh, these are the drivers that don't have a win yet. Uh, Riley Earps, Sam Mayer, Daniel Hemrick, Landon Castle, Ryan Sieg, Sheldon Creed, Brandon Brown, Anthony Alfredo, and Matt Snyder. Other drivers that uh, could clinch with a win, um, well, other drivers that could clinch with a win, uh, Jeff Burton, 
would need 46 points, and Jeremy Clements, he really needs that win to get in. Uh, now, the regular season championship uh, can be clinched by A.J. Allmendinger, uh, especially if he gets a win this weekend. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Okay, so let's go to Kansas Speedway and the Xfinity Series. After some action-packed racing at Darlington Raceway last weekend, the NASCAR Xfinity Series is back for more at Kansas Speedway for the Kansas Lottery 300 on Saturday, September 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on USA, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Kansas Speedway, located just outside of Kansas City, Kansas, is a 1.5-mile track with variable banking in the turn 17 to 20 degrees. Kansas Speedway has hosted 22 NASCAR Xfinity races, producing 15 different pole winners and 17 different race winners. The inaugural race was won by Jeff Green on September 29, 2001. Only two races have been won from the pole or first starting position, most recently by Kyle Busch in 2016. Matt has set the qualified record in 2015 with a speed of 184.906 miles per hour, while Christopher Bell set the race record in 2017 with a speed of 141.158 miles per hour. Kyle Busch is a known name at the track, currently holding the record for most wins four, top fives, eight, Top 10, 10. Laps led, 544. And it's tied for most lead lap finishing with 10 with Justin Allgaier and Kevin Harvick in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Kansas Speedway is a very memorable place for some, as it's for Christopher Bell in 2017, Brandon Jones in 2019, and John Hunter, John Hunter Nemechek in 2018 all scored their first Xfinity Series win. Parker Klingerman in 2009 and Tyler Reddick in 2017 each won their first pole. Joe Gibbs Racing's Ty Gibbs sits in the most recent, is the most recent winner at the track. If he goes back-to-back, he'll become the fourth driver to do so, joining Joey Logano 2019-2010, Carl Busch 2014-2015-2016, and Brandon Jones in 2019-2020. The NASCAR, NASCAR Xfinity Series will kick off this weekend with practice at 5.05 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by qualifying at 5.35 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday, September 9th on the USA Network. Okay. Also, pushing the limits uh, with the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs in sight, <clears throat> Richard Childress Racing's rookie, uh, Sheldon Creed put on quite a show last week at Darlington Raceway. He finished runner-up to Junior Motorsports' Noah Gregson after a last-lap three-car battle with Noah Gregson and Cup Series regular Kyle Larson. Now, Creed led an Xfinity Series career-high 47 laps, but he missed the win by a margin of .794 seconds, which would have clinched his spot into the playoffs. But now he sits in 13th position, the first spot outside the postseason cutoff. He's 16 points back from RSS Racing's Ryan Sieg, who's in that final transfer spot in 12th uh, on points. Now, Creed and all Xfinity Series drivers without a win, they now have only two opportunities to earn their spot in the postseason at that 1.5-mile track of Kansas Speedway. Um, <clears throat> 
next uh, after Kansas, the next uh, Friday under the lights will be the Fruit City 300 at the famous Half Mile Bristol Motor Speedway, which is a high banked short track. That's going to be the regular season finale. So looking to close the gap on Seek this weekend, though, uh, but this will be Creed's first Xfinity Series start at Kansas in the series. Uh, So though Creed has run well at other 1.5-mile tracks this season, he's posted three top fives in five races at uh, 1.5-mile tracks. At Las Vegas, he finished seventh, Atlanta ninth, and twelfth. At Texas, 26th, and at Charlotte, he finished eighth. Sieg, who sits in the final uh, transfer spot, has been making the trip to Kansas Speedway since 2013. He's posted three top fives, six top tens in his ten starts there. His most recent finish at the track was a fifth-place finish in 2021, uh, just last year. So uh, we're a little ahead of schedule here, Sal, but we're going to need that extra time for the um, NASCAR series because they always have a ton of stuff for us to talk about in NASCAR Cup. So the Hollywood Casino 400 presented by Barstool Sportsbook will be at Kansas on Sunday, September the 11th, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern time. They'll have pre-race coverage at 2 p.m. on USA, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. They'll race a distance of 400.5 miles over 267 laps. Uh, The first stage ends on lap 80. The second stage will be 85 laps, ending on lap 165. And the last stage will be 102 laps, ending on lap 267. So uh, we've got a lot of news to go through in the Cup Series. Where do we start, Sal? Bottom up. Another different winner brings 2022 brings, NASCAR Cup Series total to yeah. 17. Okay. Go ahead. Petty GMS, Petty GMS driver Eric Jones won the Cookout Southern 500 last week in a Darlington Raceway, becoming the 17th different winner of the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season, tying 1961 season for the most different winners, 17 through 27 races of a single season. The most winners all time in a NASCAR Cup Series season is 19 different winners, and it has occurred four times in the series, 1956, 1958, 1961, and 2001. In 1956, the 19th different winner was named as the third to the last race of the year at Martinsville Speedway. Race number 54 or 56 on the schedule, Jack Smith won the event. In 1958... The 19th different winner was, was named with seven laps left on the year at the California State Fairgrounds in Sacramento, California. Race number 44 of 51 on the schedule. Parnelli Jones won the event. In 1961, the 19th different winner was named with 10 races left on the year at Darlington Raceway. Race number 42 of 52 on the schedule. Nelson Stacy won the event. The 2001 season is the only season to reach 19 different winners in the modern era from 1972 to 2022. In 2001, the 19th different winner was named the season finale race at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, race 36 of 36 on the schedule, and Robbie Gordon won that event. Wow, that's some interesting stats there. Okay, now we're going to do our matchups in the NAF series. 
Uh, we usually go from the bottom up here, Sal. So I will start with the first matchup, Ryan Blaney versus Joey Logano, and we'll continue to move up. So keeping the theme going with teammate matchups, Ryan Blaney and Joey Logano are uh, the feature, one of the featured matchups for Kansas. Joey Logano's weekend started out perfect uh, when he won the pole and the best pit stop position for Darlington. Uh, but a long pit stop shuffled him back in the field, and he had to battle the rest of the night for track position. Battle he did as Logano raced his way to a fourth-place finish, and right now he sits on top of the playoff standings. Ryan Blaney avoided trouble all night, and although he didn't have the car he wanted, he was able to pick up eight combined stage points, and he finished 13th. These two Team Penske Fords will head to Kansas, hoping for better results this time around. Earlier this season at Kansas, no Fords finished inside the top ten. So uh, you can bet that Logano and Blaney want to change that stat. Uh, They'll have to change it if Logano wants to maintain this top spot in the playoff standings. Uh, Logano does have one victory to his resume, but Blaney holds the edge in driver rating at 90.8 compared to Logano's. 85.1. 85.1. And then we go on to the one of the most infamous uh, battles between teammates <laughs> that materialized and then fuzzed out. But you know, you know, deep down inside, these two still have that love-hate relationship, and that's Kyle Larson versus Chase Elliott. <clears throat> it wasn't the start of the playoffs that Chase Elliott or Kyle Larson was looking for. Both Hendrick teammates had their fair share of struggles throughout the day, starting with Kyle Larson, who found himself on pit road with possible engine failure. Luckily, Cliff Daniels and company fixed the issue, but Larson was three laps down early in stage two. His Hendrick counterpart, a regular season champion, Chase Elliott, spun and hit the wall on lap 113. The damage was so severe that Elliott was able to fix the, his partner the DVP clock and had to retire from the race in last place. Elliott fell from first to ninth in the standings. Larson was able to get back on the lead lap in stage three and battle back for a 12th place finish. For the two of the top playoff contenders, they'll look to have a better performance at Kansas. Larson holds one win and an average finish of 8.8 in his last five races at Kansas. Elliott boasts an average finish finishing position of 8.6 so these Hendrick teammates will be poised to regroup and find their stride in the playoffs. Yes, they will be. Next up, we have got more teammates, Kyle Busch versus Denny Hamlin. Now, Kyle Busch looked like he had the best car all day at Darlington last weekend. It looked like the 18 car was going to find its way to victory lane for the first time since Bristol. But an engine issue caused the car to go up in smoke under caution while running first, and that ended his race with 22 laps to go. His JGR teammate, Denny Hamlin, also had a great day car all day. He was in contention all race long, running in the top five, but he gave it his best shot at running at Eric Jones down in the final 20 laps, but ultimately he had to settle for a second-place finish. Both of these championship contenders will be motivated to find victory lane after what could have been at Darlington. Uh, So they are headed to a track where both have been dominant. They've combined for three wins 
and eight top fives in the last seven races at Kansas. So uh, you should expect both Bush and Hamlin to be battling it out for the lead once again. They finished third and fourth in the spring race earlier this season when it was Kurt Busch who won the race. And then our our final one will be Eric Jones versus Daniel Suarez, which is the Panvo. What a Sunday it was for both these drivers. And Eric Jones became a two-time winner of the Cookout Southern 500 in the first race of the playoffs at Darlington. With multiple playoff drivers having car troubles in the last 50 laps, Jones hung around and used a late restart to hold off Denny Hamlin and Tyler Reddick to win his first race of the 2022 season. Daniel Suarez had an uphill battle all day after having to do a pass-through penalty at the start of the race for failing uh, pre-race tech inspection three times. A lap down to start the race, Suarez got his lap back after the caution came out for rain on lap six. Suarez worked his way all the way to the front and was running comfortably in the top ten before a speeding penalty on pit road on another lap down. Even though he wound up finishing 18th, he attained two points in stage two and showed that he had a ton of speed in the number 99 car. Looking ahead to Kansas, Jones has two top fives in the last seven races here and owns a 16-point advantage over Swords and driver rating at the 1.5-mile track. Okay. Uh, and for pre-race coverage, uh, Lee Greenwood is uh, scheduled to perform the God Bless the USA at uh, Kansas Speedway. As a tribute to our nation's military and first responders, on a solemn day of remembrance, Lee Greenwood is going to sing his patriotic hit, God Bless the USA, prior to the start of the Hollywood Casino 400 on Sunday, September the 11th, at Kansas Speedway. Greenwood has made appearances at various NASCAR events throughout the years to perform the chart-topping song, A Classic, at sporting events in patriotic celebrations across the country. God Bless the USA earned two Grammy nominations, and it's been in the top five on the country singles chart three times in 91, 2001, and again in 2003. It's the only song in any genre to achieve that feat. So an international country music star, Greenwood has earned multiple CMA and ACM awards, as well as a Grammy for Top Male Vocal Performance on the song IOU. With seven number one songs and 25 charted singles, Greenwood's impressive discography spans over four decades. He previously served on the National Endowment of the Arts Council under three different U.S. presidents and has performed at some of the country's greatest venues, now adding Kansas Speedway to that list. So uh, really great to see Lee Greenwood being there uh, for Kansas. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, then now we're going to the playoff bubble outside then after one we're race. We're going to the top 16 playoff Cup Series uh, career performances at Kansas Speedway. Okay. Okay. So, anyways, we got the rankings here is going to be um, – Ranked with number one is driver Joey Logano with 26 races at Kansas, two poles, three wins, eight top fives, ten top ten, four DNS, an average finish of 17.1, and a driver ranking of 87.7. 
Uh, number two is uh, William Byron with nine races, zero poles, zero wins, one top five, five top tens, two DNFs, 16.1 finishing average, driver rating of 85.1. Danny Hamlin has 28 races, zero poles, three wins, 10 top fives, 11 top tens, two DNFs, 13.7 average finish with the 92 uh, driver ranking. Christopher Bell has five races in there, one pole, no win, one top five, three top ten, zero DNFs, 14.8 average finish, and a driver ranking of 87.7. Tyler Reddick has six races, zero poles, zero wins, zero top fives, two top tens, zero DNFs, 17.7 average finish, and a driver ranking of 85.6. The next is uh, Ryan Blaney with 15 races, one pole, zero win, three top fives, six top tens, two DNFs, 16.9, average finish in a 95 driver ranking. And the highest uh, driver, the highest, no, he's not the highest driver ranking, but we got Kyle Larson with 15 races, zero poles, uh, one win, five top fives, seven top tens, two DNFs, 14.6 average finish, and a 101.1 driver rate. And then Ross Chastain with seven races, zero poles, zero wins, zero top fives, one top ten, one DNF, 22.4 average finish, and a 59.2 driver ranking. Shelly Selling is don't next pick on the Ross list. This week. <laughs> nah, you don't want to, I don't know, Sometimes these underdogs are the ones that uh, find they right. find magic. Pixie You're does. right. So yeah, she got Chase Elliott with 13 races, zero poles, one win, six top fives, eight top tens, zero DNFs, 11.2 average finish, and 97.9 driver ranking. Next is Alex Bowman, who hasn't been heard from in the play in the playoffs, even though we only have one playoff race. But uh, he's uh, 14, 14 races, zero poles, zero wins, two top fives, six top tens, one DNF, an average finish of 16.9, and a driver ranking of 75.5. Next up, we got Kyle Busch, who has 29 races, zero poles, two wins. 10 top fives, 14 top tens, four DNFs, 15.2 average finish, and a 94 driver ranking. Next, we got Daniel Suarez, who has 11 races, zero poles, zero wins, zero top fives, one top ten, two DNFs, a 22.3 average finish at 64.0 driver ranking. Next is Austin Sidrick with two races. Zero poles, zero wins, zero top fives, zero top tens, zero DNFs, 16.5 average finish, and a 75.7 driver ranking. Next up is Austin Dillon with 18 races, zero poles, zero wins, zero top fives, five top tens, one DNF, 16.3 average finish, and a 73.8 driver ranking. And next we got Chase Bristol who has three races, zero poles, zero wins, zero top fives, zero top tens, zero DNFs, 21.0 average finish, 55.9. He might, might be another one you might want to just skip over this week. 
Now, this uh, next one is one everybody wants to pick. Oh, yeah. This, and then, the, of course, then we got the closer, who I'm sure everybody's going to want to put their money on. But it would be Kevin Harvick with 33 races, five poles, three wins, 12 top fives, 12 top tens, only one DNF out of 33 starts. Yeah, 19 top tens, only one DNF out of 33 starts, a 9.1 average finish, and a 108.5 driver rank. Wow. Makes it easy to know who to pick, right? It sure does. Kevin Harvick, he's the man. Uh, There's six of the 16 driver playoff field are former winners, including Logano, Hamlin, Harvick, Bush, Elliott, that's Kyle Bush, Chase Elliott, and Kyle Larson. So interesting stats there. Okay, now we'll look at the playoff uh, bubble, those on the outside looking in after just one race. Uh, with just two races to go in the in the round of 16, tensions are rising as none of the 16 drivers in the postseason have locked themselves into the next round yet. Uh, right now, Team Penske's Joey Logano holds the top spot in the standings after regular season champion and number one seed coming into Darlington, Chase Elliott, was an early race was involved in an early race incident, dropping him to ninth in the postseason points. Logano is 38 points up on the round of 12 cutoff line, while Elliott is just 14 points above that cut line. Four drivers are on the outside of the round of 12 cutoff, and chasing uh, Trackhouse Racing's Daniel Suarez, who sits in that 12th and final transfer spot for the next round in the points. Um, And he's in there on points. Team Penske's Austin Sendrick is in 13th. He's two points back. RCR's Austin Dillon, 14th, four points back. Uh, SHR's teammates Chase Briscoe is 15th, back 10 points in the veteran. Kevin Harvick in 16th, 13 points back. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Uh, the four drivers below that round of 12 cut line, uh, Kevin Harvick has the biggest hill to climb, but Kansas Speedway is one of the ten tracks that make up the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. And of Harvick's 60 career Cup Series victories, 23 of those have come at the remaining playoff venues. Three of those wins have been at Kansas. And while Harvick also has three wins apiece at Bristol and Texas, he has two wins at Las Vegas and one win each at Talladega and Homestead, Miami, as well as Martinsville. The remaining nine wins were earned at Phoenix Raceway, home to the NASCAR championship race. Now, the playoff tracks where Harvick doesn't have a win is the Charlotte Roval. So, it'll, And you, you just saw he had the best uh, uh, driver ranking at Kansas Speedway as well. So uh, next we'll go over the uh, clinch scenarios for Kansas Speedway. Okay, the clinch scenarios. Petty GMS driver Eric Jones threw a wrench in the hopes of the 16-driver NASCAR Cup Series playoff field by taking home the playoff opener win last week in a Darlington Raceway when the Michigan native grabbed his first win of 2022. As a result, for the first time since the inception of the elimination format in 2014, none of the playoff drivers has clinched a spot in the round of 12 coming out of the postseason opener. 
If there is a win by a driver who cannot advance to the next round, the following drivers could clinch by being 56 points above the 12th winless driver in the standings. The same point requirements listed below would hold true if a new win comes from among Joy Logano, William Byron, Danny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, Ross Chastain, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, or Kyle Busch. All of those wow. drivers need a win. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because because of what um uh what what our boy Eric Jones did. So um mm-hmm. basically, Joy Joy Logano, William Byron, Danny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, Ross Chastain, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, and Kyle Busch could only clinch with help, and help, as we already found out in this dictionary, on Jayski means a win. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And and if there is a new winner from Daniel Suarez or another winless driver lowering the standings, but still eligible to advance to the next round, the following drivers could clinch by being 56 points above the 11th winless driver in the standings, and that's Joy Logano, William Byron, Danny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, Ross Chastain. Chase Ellett, Ellis, Bowman, and Kyle Busch could only clinch with help. And virtually all of the drivers can clinch with a win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is what they should, have, they should have put it, made it easier that way. Exactly. Okay, now let's do a rundown of the history at Kansas Speedway for the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, they are a staple in the Cup Series postseason since the inception of the playoffs in 2004. Kansas has provided some great side-by-side racing, and this weekend's Hollywood Casino 400 uh, should be no exception to that. Groundbreaking for Kansas Speedway was held on May 25, 1999. It was the official opening of the 1.5-mile paved four-turn track was in 2001, with first events being an Arkham Menard Series race and an Arkham Menard Series West race on the same day. That was on June 2nd. The first Cup Series race at Kansas was on September 30th of 2001, and the race was won by Hendrick Motorsports driver and NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon. For the most part, Kansas has remained unchanged since it was built, but it did undergo a repave during the 2012 season between April and October events. Uh, They added variable banking in the corners, uh, 17 degrees up to 20 degrees. In total, there have been 33 Cup Series races at Kansas, one event from 2001 to 2010, and two races every year since 2011. The 33 Cup races have produced 17 different pole winners and 17 different race winners. Stuart House Racing's Kevin Harvick, as we mentioned earlier, he leads the Cup Series in poles at Kansas Speedway with five poles in the fall of 13 a 2014 sweep in the spring of 18 and again in the spring of 19. Six of the 17 Cup Series Kansas Speedway pole winners are active this weekend, including Kevin Harvick with five, Truex has two, Joy Logano has two, Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney, and Brad Keselowski all have one. Of 17 different Cup Series race winners at Kansas, 11 have won multiple races at the track, that includes five drivers who are tied 
for the lead in wins in the Cup Series with three victories each, Jeff Gordon, Kevin Harvick, and Jimmy Johnson, as well as Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano. Now, eight of the 17 Cup Series winners are active this weekend. Again, Joey, Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, and Kevin Harvick all have three wins. Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., they have two wins apiece. Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott both have one win. 23XI's driver Kurt Busch is the most recent winner at Kansas Speedway. He grabbed the victory back in the number 45 Toyota back in May, but Busch has since sustained that injury that has currently sidelined him. So in his stead this weekend at Kansas is his 2311 racing teammate, Bubba Wallace, driving that number 45 car. Uh, and the NASCAR Xfinity Series standout, Ty Gibbs, will be behind the wheel of the number 23 for 2311 Racing's Toyota. Now, this weekend, the Cup Series uh, on-track activity will begin with practice on September the 10th at 11.05 a.m., followed by the Bushlight Pole qualifying at 11.50 a.m. Eastern Time. Qualifying will be streamed on the NBC Sports app, and that will start at noon Eastern Time. But uh, we've got more here, and it's a long segment, Sal. Yeah, you know, real quick, you know, when they say that, that um, Bubba Wallace will be in the 45 and Ty Gibbs will be in the in the 23, you wonder if they're if he's actually going to be in that car or if he's just going to be, they're going to just change the number on the car because that, then they have to take the seat out and do all the, do all the, um, all well, the changes. The reason they're moving um, Wallace over yeah, is no. for the ownership points. Experience, yeah. And experience, yeah. 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 But they're but, going but after the saying, owner you know points, too. Yeah, but when they say they're going to change cars, are they really changing cars? They're just changing the number on the car. And they yeah, keep it in the same yeah. Car. I don't think they're you supposed know. to do that, but it's possible. I don't know, so. <laughs> but now, then also we'll you got to remember each. Okay, so where are we at, the NASCAR race winners? Yeah, let's skip this section. Uh, because it's super long, yeah. and I don't think we're going to be able to cover it in four minutes. So we can we can okay. continue to talk here. <laughs> okay. So I, I you got to remember too, these cars have serial numbers on them. So mm-hmm. I, I think what they're going to so when the car goes through tech, they actually scan the car. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to switch cars out because each car has its each car has the serial number. You know, while of course, while while the transponders, you know, which you know, which count the laps go underneath the car. Yeah, but here's the but, thing, um, Sal. The 45 car is in contention for the owner points. Yeah. So they, oh, no. they yeah, no. want him to drive that 45 car to race for ownership points. Do you see no, what I'm saying? No, I know, saying? but I've seen like, yeah, no, I know. But back in the day, before they had the the scanners on the cars, all they would do is just like say. You had Bubba and you had Ty. All they do is just Bubba would stay in his car, but they would just put the 45 number on the car instead of right. the switch But 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 now it's all the technology because the, all the cars yeah. are, they have their own serial number. Now they have to physically set up the car for Bubba, which means taking the seat out and adjusting the car to him, and vice versa for Ty because he has to drive that exact car now because when they go through tech. And they scan the car. It has to match the 
the number. The, the VIN number or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Okay. <clears throat> well, thanks for sharing that, Sal. I wasn't aware of that. But I did know that they said that uh, the, they're putting Bubba in there for the playoff experience, but they're also putting in the, him in there because – uh, they want him to go after that owner's points uh, piece that they're they're looking to get. So, are you going to be at a racetrack this weekend, Sal? Yeah, if we don't. We get some. We got some funky old weather over here in California. First, we got we're in a heat wave. We, I get back from Vegas this morning. It rains, and then now they're we're back in the heat wave again. And now they're talk, calling for rain on Saturday. I'm supposed to be at Orendale this Saturday. For the mm. for our our regular racing program, you know, and uh, and now they're calling for rain on Saturday, and it's funny because it you know, there's no rain Friday tomorrow or Sunday, but it's just on Saturday, so mm. um, you know I just got to see you know see how that's going to play out. And then the following Saturday, we have the the um, SRL series coming back to Irondale. Um, we're gonna have the the. Uh, Spear Southwest uh, Southwest Tours coming back with um, the, the Super Late, Pro Late, and the um, and the uh, um, modified. <clears throat> but the oh. race I'm looking forward to, Sharon, is Archer yeah. Archer in Vegas. Archer in <laughs> Vegas. I'm set. Yes. I got my room. My they got me all set up already. I was in Vegas. I talked to the team owner. He goes, "Sal, you're set." I said, "Good." I said because. I said awesome. you're gonna you're gonna meet, uh, and I told Matt Matt Jackson. Remember Matt Jackson from the Southwest Tour Series? Yep, we were covering yep. about four or five years ago. Matt is yep. the guy that runs all the stuff for Chris Loudon. So I was telling Matt because I stopped by and talked to Matt yesterday. I said, "Guess who's coming to Vegas?" He goes, "Who?" I said, "Sharon." He goes, "From the radio show?" I go, "Yeah." He goes, "You're kidding me." I go, "No." So, um, <laughs> uh, so Chris Loudon said, "Make sure and." And take care of Sharon. He owns a, he owns a country western bar out there, Stoney's. Oh, Stoney's okay. Country western bar. I was going to ask yeah, you, so who I do I talk Matt. to for credentials for that? Do I talk to Jeff or do you, I talk to? No, you talk to uh, Chris Chris Wright. Oh, Chris Wright, really? Yeah. Okay. Are are you staying for the whole weekend? I'll, I'll be there for the whole weekend, but my brother's coming with me, so we're going to the cup <clears throat> to the uh, Xfinity and Cup race together. But I do want to get credentials for the ARCA race. Okay, what? Okay, if you get credentials for the for the for the regular race, that credential is good for the um, for the ARCA race too. Oh, okay. I was wondering about that. Okay, now yeah, the on, other yeah. thing. Is that my brother does have a ticket for the Arca race? Does Sandy need a ticket? Okay, as far Is as the Sandy... Arca race, yeah, you know what? She's probably I don't know I don't know if she's going to go or not. But talk to Chris Wright, and and um, and Chris Wright will will set you up with uh, with everything that you need. You know, just tell okay. him, you know you're with me for Factor Racing, and, and 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 Chris will set you up with all the with with the with the because basically that one's going to be a wristband. Because of the, okay. the bullring, and Chris Wright will set you up with the um, with the thing. If not before that, I was going to send I'll an email to, to Charlie uh, Crawl, uh, you know, at Arca, and see if he could get me set up or at least oh, bring yeah. me in the right oh, direction. You know what? That and actually, I, w- I would also reach out to Charlie because whoever whoever's going to get it for you, 
what they're going to do is um uh is they're going to get you a uh, a wristband for the um uh they'll get you and your brother a wristband so this way you guys can go you know you know inside the pits you know not have to you know not have to sit in the stands all day so um oh, but, okay. but 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 your credential for your 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 credential for um well, for NASCAR. Not up yet. Uh, I am, but it's not set up yet for Kansas, and I got to th- go through the SMI credential site. So, uh, no, no, and I've Vegas. already made the request to, for approval. With SMI, you got to get approval first, and then once you get approved for a specific track, then you can request the credential. So, but it's uh, you know what, and, I, I'm and working I, on and, that. Yeah, and, and I just reach out to Jeff Motley. Oh, I because, thought about that too. Jeff, yeah. Yeah, because Jeff is still running. Too. Yeah, because Jeff is still running the. He's still running all the media there, and and Jeff remembers us. You know, just tell okay. Jeff. You know what? You know, I, you know, just tell him I, I want to get into the, um, into the Arca race. You know what? And and like I said here, that or reach out to Chris, reach out to Chris oh. Wright, and um, or Charlie, you know, and <laughs> yeah, or, or Charlie. But I would say Chris Wright because he's the he's the director. And, okay. and, uh, and Chris will have he'll have no problem putting you and your brother on the list to get that. And then, like I said, uh, 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 then for the rest of the weekend, you know, you know, you'll get your credentials through uh, through NASCAR. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to let you go so we can get started with our hot topic sound off here. But I'm looking forward to it as well, Sal. All right. So, anyways, everybody have a good weekend. Okay. Stay cool. We're in a heat wave over here, and. Uh, have fun, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Definitely. Looking forward to it. I know you'll be off next week, and Jay Huseman is going to be taking your seat next week. So uh, thanks a lot, Sal. Okay. Okay. Good night. Okay. Good night. All right. Uh, I know we're past our time here. It's uh, four minutes past the hour, but uh, we are ready for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, joining us for tonight's show uh, is a surprise person, <laughs> Jay Huseman. What are you doing here? I didn't think you were going to make it. It's a surprise because I told you I wouldn't be, and then I am, right? Uh, right <laughs> exactly. now, I'm, if you can hear me, I'm sitting in my vehicle. I have to uh, get my phone charged up uh, between uh, interviews and stuff here, so uh, I can uh, be on for a few minutes uh, while my phone charges. Okay, well, I'm sure we'll start with a very hot topic uh, but we're also joining us for tonight's Hot Topics, and I thought it was going to be just him and I, and or him and me, and that is uh, Michael Orzel. Welcome to the show, Mike. hey Glad to hear Jay's here for at least a little bit. We'll take him while we got him. I plugged it last week. I'm plugging it again. Listen to the radio show tonight, but right now, drop what you're doing. Go set your DVR. Record Race for the Championship. Yeah. If you missed last weekend's episode, it is a phenomenal show. It's everything we wanted and more. Go record it. Go watch it. Show them that this is the show that we as NASCAR fans want to watch. Yes, indeed. I just set my recording, so thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. Okay, so, uh, Jay, what's our first hot topic? <laughs> I, well, I think let's I know. go with it. Uh, yeah. We uh, we heard rumblings of it. Uh, knew there was an announcement coming. I think it uh, not officially announced, but news and everything else broke last night. The North Wilkesboro is going to host the 2023 All-Star Race. Uh, there's another hot topic that goes with it of 
the what they were going to do or the dirt portion of it is now not going to happen. Yes. So, Mike, you get to uh, tell us what you think of that news on both counts. I, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away. I mean, it's not even a week. This is Tuesday. It was two days ago. I was saying, no way, no how. North I know. I will saw not be on the 2023. I, I didn't think it was going to happen. I, I was hopeful and optimistic that we would eventually see North Wilkesboro back on the schedule. I just thought that there was so much left to do at North Wilkesboro that it wasn't realistic to get it on the schedule for 2023. So uh, uh, here we go, another, another serving of crow for yours truly. Now, with that said, all those concerns that I had that I thought would prevent North Wilkesboro from getting on the schedule, they still exist. They are a long way off from being ready to host the NASCAR Cup Series race, and they've got, what, seven, eight months to really get the track ready. They don't even have any more plumbing at the facility right now. So the Cars Tour late model races that they did there a couple weeks ago, they ran it on porta-potties and food trucks because none of the interior spaces at the track are suitable for fans. So you can't do that for a Cup Series race. They've got to get plumbing done. They've got to get concessions done. They have to put safer barriers in. Uh, They have to put in some sort of media support operation. Uh, Feedback on social media from the Cars Tour, from people who went there, it sounds like they have a lot of logistics issues with traffic management and parking. Hopefully those get addressed as well. So there's a lot to do at North Wilkesboro between now and May, and there's not a lot of time to do it. It's going to be a big, big project, probably the biggest project SMI has taken on since they built a new racetrack back in the 90s. Yes, indeed. Right now, I think there's seating for about 18,000 people, and when you put a NASCAR event there, there's going to be a whole lot more people that are going to want to be at that event. So, yes, there's some major renovations that need to take place. The governor of North Carolina was at the announcement today, uh, and I know he's making some money available through the state of North Carolina uh, to help with those renovations. But you're right. They've got a lot to do in a very short amount of time, uh, and it ties into the topic that Jay also mentioned, the fact that they've canceled uh, for the month of October. They were they were supposed to uh, switch over to dirt racing over at North Wilkesboro, and they canceled that decision uh, in order to start the work that they need to, to get done in order to have the All-Star event there. Now, keep in mind, this is a three-day weekend uh, of events at North Wilkesboro that's going to be capped off by the uh, Cup Series All-Star Race uh, running from May 19th to the 21st. So um, <clears throat> if anybody can make this happen, I guess it's, it would be somebody like Marcus Smith with SMI and uh, combined with NASCAR and the governor of the state of North Carolina. Uh, they're all working cooperatively together in order to make this happen. Uh, Dale Jr. was at the announcement today. He is another huge advocate for North Wilkesboro Speedway. And uh, I can't think of a better place they could have chosen for NASCAR's 75th anniversary season. Uh, and so I would expect that's just part of Uh, the excitement that we're going to see for that 75th anniversary for NASCAR uh, next year that's uh, just going to make the whole season uh, pretty darn exciting. Uh, I think we're just just, uh, 
hit, they just hit on the L.A. Coliseum for the uh, Clash and now North Wilkesboro for this all-star race, uh, and I can't think of a better place. Jay, I want to get your thoughts, though, because I know you're, you have some misgivings about some of this. Well, yeah, I'm trying to think how I put it, the good, the bad, and the ugly, if you will. Um, the good <laughs> is, you're right, I don't think there could be a better place to do it than going back to the roots, which uh, you know NASCAR has focused on, so taking it to North Wilkesboro. The middle part, so I am excited about that. And I think I mentioned this when we talked about when the full schedule had come out. There's going to be some things I like, some things I don't like, some things I got concerns on. Um, and this one falls into that. I am excited for it. You, you mentioned it. Uh, for somebody to take on a project like this, say like putting dirt on Bristol or putting a dome on Bristol or anything like that, <laughs> don't tell the Smiths, Marcus Smith and SMI, they can't do it because they will. Um, so you're right. They're, they're going to have to go uh, full bore at it because there are some things to be done, which, as Mike mentioned, there are some concerns, the logistics of it, the facilities, um, which I think is part of why they're starting with an all-star race. Uh, they are going to have to obviously cap it. It will increase from the, I think I had heard, 20,000 at the uh, late model race there where Dale Jr. ran to a little bit more than that. But it's not going to be a full open facility back to what it was. And I don't know what their seating capacity was back in the day. Um, so they're doing the right thing with starting with the all-star race. With that, from the late model race, the drivers, Dale Jr. being one of them um, most specifically, was saying this asphalt can still be used. It doesn't have a lot of years left, but it still has some and is in that sweet spot for drivers like Atlanta Motor Speedway was. They didn't want it repaved. So here's where I don't like what happened in this case. They had planned on tearing up the asphalt, running on the dirt underneath it, repaving it. This decision for the All-Star Race cannot have happened relatively recently. Uh, it has to have been in the works and talks. I think Junior said it first got talked about maybe about a year ago. That's where it kind of started as a joke, if you will. But it had to be developing along... So if that was the case, I don't like the fact that, not just because it was a dirt race, that they have to cancel and postpone anything they have promoted because of it. Uh, you know, so I, I'm not a real big fan of that. And obviously, then being a dirt fan, I was super excited about seeing a dirt race there um, on North Wilkesboro. But just the fact that they promoted anything and had something scheduled and then changed on the fly, uh, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, Again, being that I feel it had to have been coming really close to heading in that direction that maybe they shouldn't even schedule that for October. Okay. Mike, your follow-up? Jay's got a really good point about pulling the rug out from under fans. This is a speedway that's tried desperately over the span of two decades to try and build enough support and goodwill and interest to generate the investment necessary to bring the speedway back. And People are going to say, oh, it was just a dirt race, and they're just canceling a, a relatively minor event in exchange for holding a NASCAR Cup Series race. And they're not wrong, but like Jay said, scheduling an event and then pulling the rug out from everyone who was excited about that event was probably a step backwards in terms of North Wilkesboro and their outreach campaign to try and build that goodwill and support necessary for the racetrack. I'm not saying that's going to be any kind of a major long-term detriment to the racetrack, but 
attracted us, tried so hard to build that goodwill. It was definitely a little bit of a step backwards from there. With that said, with regard to the racing surface, Jay's right. It's it, it, From what Dale Jr. said, it sounds like there's still at least a little bit of meat left on the bone there. But that track was last paved in 1981. Now, that's 42 years, but probably 20 of those years saw little to no use on the pavement. So it's only been getting weathered from the sun and, and, and whatever other environmental conditions that the track has seen. So 42 years is still a really old piece of pavement. It might be good for a year or two, but I do have concerns about that. With as much excitement and hype it is going to be going into promoting this North Wilkesboro All-Star Race, I really, really, really hope that we don't end up in a situation where parts of that pavement start coming up and interfering with the race like we saw in Atlanta before they repaved it, and we've seen at other tracks over the years where they pushed a deteriorating surface just a little bit too far and it had a major effect on the outcome of the event. So I'll take Dale Jr.'s word for it. He knows far better than I do, but I really hope that that North Wilkesboro does have enough life left in that surface to at least pull off an all-star race without an issue. I don't think that they would just be doing this for a one-off all-star race. It's going to take way too much time, way too much money, way too much effort to bring this track up, even just to hold an all-star race. They're not going to dump all that into there to just hold a one-off all-star race. This is likely the first that we're going to see of a long string of things coming to North Wilkesboro, which is great. But kind of like I talked about in my first comment, there's going to be a long priority list of things that need to get done. Probably top of that list right now is things like restrooms, uh, fan, fan uh, make sure the grandstands are safe, things like that. But a new surface is going to have to move to the top of that list fairly soon, and that's going to be a tremendous amount of money to make that happen. Uh, it sounds like they're going to be running temporary lighting like they did for the late model races. Bob Pockers mentioned that in his article that he wrote about it, where they, they brought in a temporary lighting system for the track. Feedback on that was somewhat mixed. It was adequate, but it wasn't great. I'm not sure if they'll be able to improve it, bring in uh, more lighting carts or whatever they're going to use to light the racetrack, but that was definitely some feedback to take in from there. But that's another one of those spending priorities where if they want to hold an all-star race or some other major event at North Wilkesboro, a modern short track these days is almost expected to have a lighting system built into the track. But that's another spending priority for North Wilkesboro that's going to have to be deferred in the interest of the, the absolute necessity stuff to make it viable. With all that said, I am so happy to see North Wilkesboro come back, not just for NASCAR fans, but for Wilkes County, North Carolina. That was devastating to lose their two NASCAR Cup Series races because North Wilkesboro Speedway and the NASCAR community and, and, and the business that was brought in by those races was a major part of the economy of Wilkes County, North Carolina. And it was almost like when you've got a city that's built around a factory and the factory shuts down. And it just devastated the area economically. So hopefully, not just for NASCAR fans, race fans in general, but hopefully for the residents of Wilkes County, North Carolina, this is a start of a turn in the right direction for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, um, you guys bring up some really good points. And, uh, Jay, I, I hear you about uh, disappointing all those dirt fans uh, that were looking forward to uh, racing on the dirt in October. Uh, but hopefully... <laughs> Uh, there'll be a little bit of um, forgiveness there, uh, knowing that NASCAR is planning to have the all-star race there and potentially other races. Again, this is a three-day uh, race weekend, 
So along with this announcement, they said that the 2023 schedule is expected to come out fairly soon as well. And so we'll be able to learn more about those three races, three days of racing that will be taking place out at North Wilkesboro. Uh, I'm assuming that that would include uh, if maybe an ARCA event, uh, maybe a truck series event, uh, maybe an Xfinity series event. Uh, so we'll have to we'll have to wait and see what those other events are. Uh, it might be around the CRA uh, ARCA CRA event uh, races, late model events. Uh, but uh, I can't wait to see what the schedule is going to be. Uh, I do think that it's going to open the door uh, for other series, uh, perhaps even you know the SRL out on the West Coast. They have a national touring series now. And uh, it would be great to see somebody like that group uh, be able to race at North Wilkesboro as well. So there's just so many possibilities uh, that could help sustain that track uh, throughout a season. And uh, I hope they take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, and uh, uh, we'll have to, you know, more of the story to, is yet to be told. Uh, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to this. I, I empathize with what Jay is saying and all those fans that are being disappointed by not being able to see the uh, dirt races in October. Uh, I'd be disappointed, too, if I had tickets or, you know, I was thinking that I was going to be watching dirt races and then all of a sudden all of that's gone. So uh, just something to uh, kind of keep in mind. Um, <clears throat> but... Uh, uh, I do think this is a step in the right direction, and I know they've got a lot of work to be done. And, again, it's probably going to be a process. They may or may not be able to get all of it done. But to your point, Mike, about the lights, you got to wonder if they don't have – if they run the race at night, and that's that's an if, uh, because they might have to do it in the day, because if they're going to televise it or live stream it, I think they're going to need uh, – uh, better lighting uh, than the temporary lighting that they had there, be, you know, this uh, August. So uh, I would anticipate it's probably going to be a day race, uh, which might be a little bit different than what we've seen in the past for an all-star race. So we'll have to wait and see for uh, the rest of this story to roll out. Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to have to make the second round real quick here. I think they're calling for our next set. i got to cover here at the Western Kentucky Speedway. But the it is a step in a long-term direction, and I do like that, and I understand it. I, like I said, I am disappointed, uh, as I'm sure a lot of fans are, but it is a long-term thing. Uh, Sharon, you took it a step further. I heard where you said there were some events throughout the three days. I kind of assume that was maybe some concert or things like that. I don't know if they're ready to bring in an ARCA, maybe a truck or Xfinity. Um, again, that goes back to the logistics of what they got to have ready and how many people they can handle. I do expect that down the road in the future. Uh, whether it comes next year with the All-Star race, say even a, a truck race, as a, as a little bit smaller fan attendance, if you will, when it comes to that, I don't know. We'll have to see. That, that's really interesting. So, like I said, Mike's right, and you're right. It's definitely a move for long-term future, and I like that. 
Um, Junior mentioned it. It's also for other tracks. Uh, again, we'll see how, how many years they do the all-star race here at North Wilkesboro. But, and this is my words, a track like Iowa, if they say the community is ready and bring it in for a weekend, if they continue to move the all-star race. Once North Wilkesboro gets reestablished, moving it to, say, a track like Iowa or something else, that there, again, community is a big thing. Mike, I think, is the one that mentioned it. What it brings back to that community is huge. And with that, I appreciate the time that I got to be on tonight. I am going to have to uh, jump back off here and get back to my day job, night job, uh, out here and covering some dirt track racing. Okay. Well, thanks, Jay. We appreciate your input. And Mike and I will take it from here. (laughs) See you, Jay. Good talking to you. Okay. He's gone. So, Mike, what's our next hot topic? It's just you and me for the rest of the evening. You know, we just talked about it on Tuesday, and I really, really didn't want to bring it up again. But, man, there's been, there's been some really big spoons that have dipped into the Kyle Bush pot and decided to stir it a little bit. Uh, earlier today, Dale Jr. Tw- kind of cryptically tweeted out a series of emojis that basically imply that Kyle Bush was going to the eight car. And then Adam Stern, a couple hours later, tweeted out that they, haven't, they don't have any kind of an official announcement yet or anything, but it sounds like RCR is a – I think the words he used were extremely likely or something, something to that regard where he still has an out, but it seems like he's pretty convinced that RCR is going to be the final landing place for one Kyle Bush. Yeah, I saw that same tweet. And uh, I'll tell you what, there was another tweet beforehand. It was something to the effect of, uh, you guys stole my thunder about uh, my big news, meaning North Wilkesboro. Uh, I'm going to kind of steal the thunder from uh, some other news that's going to be breaking here this week. And then he tweeted that tweet. So uh, I think there's a little, uh, I hope it's a friendly competition going on here for breaking news. But, yeah, it's a picture, it's an emoji of a tree, a shrub, okay, uh, and uh, hold on, let me look at this again. What was the middle thing? I know the eight, the number eight was there. What was the middle thing? It was a, a, a bush, if you will, and then a finger-pointing emoji and then an eight ball. So bush to the okay, eight that's is basically what it, was. what it was saying. Right, bush, bush to the eight, yeah. So I do think uh, that that was Dale Jr.'s way of, of uh, all of the late-breaking news that came out, or the early-breaking news, I should say, that came out about North Wilkesboro. It's his way of uh, breaking some early-breaking news, and that surprises me. Now, they're saying to the 8, uh, the 8 is right now at uh, uh, RCR, so it's looking more and more, and I did hear earlier in another tweet from somebody else uh, that RCR is kind of at the top of the list right now. So Tommy's got to be very happy about that. Um, and uh, um, it makes you wonder, Mike, uh, you know, Tyler Reddick is supposed to be in that number eight uh, for another year before he goes to 23-11 racing in 2024. 
So I wonder if they're going to release, this is an open door for them to release Tyler Reddick a year early so that he can go ahead and move over to 2311 and uh, give Kyle Busch that car. That's a really big question. What happens to Tyler Reddick? If Kyle Busch is indeed going to the eight car, everyone's assuming that Austin Dillon is coming back to the three with his family connections to the Childress family. Everyone's assuming that Austin Dillon has a ride with Richard Childress racing for as long as he wants it, no matter how how well or how poorly he does in that car. He seems to scrape by about one win every year or so, give or take. So I would say adequate, not great performance, but it sounds like just enough to keep Austin Dillon in that three car. So what happens to Tyler Reddick? There has been, aside from the the 2311 news for 2024, there's been nothing about what Tyler Reddick might do for 2023. Uh, Kurt Busch, as we know, is is out right now with a concussion. We don't Uh know when or if Kurt Busch will be coming back. So if Kurt Busch unfortunately has to retire because of his injury, that would leave the 45 car open for a full-time ride if Tyler Reddick were to move to 2311 a year early. That's entirely a possibility as well. I really hope that doesn't happen. Nothing against Tyler Reddick, but I just want to see Kurt Busch come back and be able to retire somewhat on his own terms versus having his career forced to end as a result of an injury. I would really hate that for Kurt Busch. So 2311's also talked about expanding to a three-car team. Denny Hamlin has expressed kind of some mixed messages about that, though, where he wants to see some pretty structural changes in NASCAR, the way they do their revenue sharing and whatnot, and has said that he doesn't plan to expand 2311 until he sees some of those changes taking place. So it's kind of a mixed message. On one hand, you hear him talking about wanting to expand the team to maybe a three-car operation, but on the other hand, saying we're not going to do it until XYZ is done by NASCAR. I don't know where he stands with that right now. I also don't know where the money would be. Yes, 2311 has sponsorship via Kurt Busch with Monster Energy and a few of the other sponsors that he has. Bubba Wallace obviously has sponsorship as well. But with Toyota not being able to find a sponsor to keep Kyle Busch in the number 18 car with Joe Gibbs Racing, it really makes me wonder what kind of sponsorship they could find to stand up an entirely new car at another Toyota team like 2311. I don't think that Tyler Reddick would bring enough personal sponsorship with him to to pay to stand up a whole new third car at 2311 Racing, and that's not even considering the $20 million million price tag that's floating around out there for what a charter goes for these days. So I really don't know what 2023 looks like for Tyler Reddick, and I think a lot of that's going to depend on Kurt Busch. Uh, Everyone's kind of penciling in Ty Gibbs into the 18, but Previous to Kurt's injury, Joe Gibbs had said he wanted to keep Ty in the Xfinity Series for another year. So maybe Tyler Reddick oh, drives the 18th. Oh, I got to make my announcement. Oh, go. Yeah, I'm sorry. sorry, Mike. Yeah, I just noticed it. Um, I usually make an announcement at this time of the night uh, with regard to any first-time listeners that are tuning in. And just so you're not caught off guard, we let you know that we are going out there at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. However, we are going to continue our conversation and we'll record that conversation as part of our bonus overtime material that is available on our podcast. I will let people know uh, when the podcast is available via Twitter and uh, Facebook so that at that point you can go to the player 
the Fan for Racing radio player that's available at fanforracing.com, and you'll be able to fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So, again, we don't want anybody to be caught off guard, and, Mike, I so apologize uh, for interrupting you so abruptly, but I had to get that information in. Hey, no problem at all. Um, Back to the speculation about Tyler Reddick, the other possibility for him would be he does kind of like a Clint Boyer holding pattern where, remember when Tony Stewart was retiring, Tony said, I'm taking one more year for 2016, I'll drive the 14 car, and then for 2017, Clint Boyer will be in the number 14 car. But with Michael Waltrip Racing closing down, Clint lost his ride at Michael Waltrip Racing, so he had to do a year at Harry Scott Motorsports. I, that is a possibility for Tyler Reddick where he has to just kind of go into holding for a year. I really would hate to see that happen to Tyler Reddick. I think he's right at the breakout point in his career where he's winning races. He's threatening to win races on a weekly basis. And Clint Boyer was definitely far more established in his career when he had to do his time at Harry Scott. I'm afraid that putting Tyler Reddick into a position like that would really derail and might take him a season or two to get back to where he's at right now. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Yes, it is, and and uh, I'm 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 uh, definitely looking forward to seeing this announcement and kind of getting more of the details. Uh, but that is that is a pretty obvious uh, message. Uh, without him actually saying the words, he used emojis, um, uh, and I think it's interesting that Dale Earnhardt put that out there. Uh, that was at 6:40 p.m. tonight. Uh, that he did that. So I'm thinking, uh, let me go to my emails here and see if I have any uh, announcements for RCR uh, for a media. I don't see media right now, a media event for RCR. Uh, But, yeah, it's just interesting that – that, that that he put that out there. But like I say, I think it has to do with uh, the news getting out about Wilkesboro the night before the official announcement, and now this news coming out the night before RCR makes an announcement. So uh, it is going to be interesting. Uh, I want to hear more of the details, and uh, I guess we'll have to wait for that to happen. I'm still checking you, my uh, email. I- Sure. Uh, I hadn't seen anything about Dale Jr. saying, uh, I'm going to steal your thunder or, or whatever tweet you're referencing. I must have missed that one. So when I saw the Bush to the 8 tweet that he put out at, at 640 or whatever this evening, I immediately wrote it off as trolling. I'm like, there's no way, there is no way a guy like <laughs> Dale Jr. would spoil that kind of big news. I, I understand Dale Jr., he's, he's a character He's he's well plugged in, well regarded in NASCAR, but I I I figured he was not going to be the kind of guy to rain on a parade like that and basically spoil probably one of the biggest driver moves in a long time. So the the fact that he did that, I wrote it off immediately. But now you kind of make it sound like it's it's something really plausible. So I don't know. You got anything from either Richard Childress or Joe Gibbs Racing or anybody that might imply we're seeing no, something? No. In fact. In fact, Adam Stern has a tweet here. There's no media alerts are expected tonight from either KBM or RCR, but RCR is seen as the most likely landing spot for Kyle Busch. So, you know, if Adam Stern doesn't have it, I certainly don't have it. Uh, And I'm trying to see 
if I can find where I saw that statement. And I think it was somebody else um, that maybe said that on his behalf. I don't think it was Dale Jr. that necessarily said it, but somebody who said that uh, kind of behind the scenes uh, this was his thinking. So, and and maybe it all is a hoax. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, especially when this is coming from a verified Dale Jr. account. It's not one of those uh, accounts uh, that can be a hoax account or anything like that. Dale Jr., yeah, it's at DaleJr.com. It's got the check mark. It all looks legit. So I, I just think that Dale, uh, that's his cryptic way of getting the news out there without saying a word, if you will. <laughs> Well, I guess stay tuned. If not tomorrow, maybe the next couple of days or so. Uh, we've seen it before where news gets leaked, and then that kind of forces some people's hands to make an official announcement maybe before they were planning on doing it. So I guess we're going to stay tuned. Yep, we'll have to stay tuned. I thought I liked that tweet, but I guess I didn't. I apologize. I, I did see it. I don't think I'm making that up or imagining that. But uh, I, I did uh, have that whole uh, kind of momentum going, and it was just before I saw the tweet from Dale Jr. that I saw that other tweet, So, and it all tied in together. But, uh, yeah, we don't have a media alert yet uh, for any kind of an RCR uh, you know, press conference or anything like that. Let me go to the NASCAR site and see if I can see anything on their schedule uh, as far as that's concerned. So anything more that you wanted to say about this, or do you want to go to another topic? I suppose we can move on from here. I'm kind of furiously scrolling through Twitter as well, seeing if I could find anything uh, relevant. It looks like there's a little bit of back and forth between uh, Dale and Kyle, uh, Kyle Bush. So Kyle hasn't really tipped his hand one way or the other, at least nothing I could pull from, from these quick tweet replies that I'm looking at. But uh, definitely, okay. uh, definitely some drama. Okay. There is on Saturday, September 10th, uh, in the media center, Kyle Bush, but it just lists Kyle Bush, is uh, got a, a time set for 1015. Uh, but that's, yeah. Uh, everything else is typical stuff, you know, the the media playoff media availability and uh, post-race uh, availability for, uh, you know, the winners of the races, including the ARCA, the Xfinity, and the Cup Series. Uh, but, yeah, they've got uh, four drivers here listed for Saturday, Daniel Suarez, Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, and Kyle Busch is the last one at 10.15. So other than that, I don't see any media availability at uh, Kansas either. So if they're going to do something, we'll find out about it. Today's Thursday already, so that almost puts us into next week before we're going to hear anything. Give me just a second here. I've got a count. There's another Gale Jr. tweet, and it's Bush with a finger and then a series of basketballs. I'm, I'm not going to count them here because it would take too long and I have to take my shoes off. I'm just going to guess that there's 23 of them there, and then an eye emoji and an ear emoji. So maybe he's hedging his bush to the eight with bush to 2311. So definitely more to follow from Dale Jr. on this one. Okay, let me see if I can find that tweet. 
Oh, I see it. A bush to, and it's 23 basketballs? I didn't count them, but it sure looks like it could be 23 of them. Okay. I ear. I hear. I hear, yeah. So, obviously, if it, if it is 23 basketballs, that's obviously got to be a reference to Michael Jordan, co-owner of 2311 Racing. So, well, maybe they're going to put Kurt Busch. Kind of, maybe Kurt Busch will go to the 23 and they'll leave uh, uh, Bubba in the 45. <laughs> this just gets wilder and wild. It's like it's like we're live tweeting, covering breaking news of a live tweeting situation here. This is pretty good. It, it'll be good. It'll be interesting. Uh, kind of cryptic, but uh, I don't know. What what was your take on it? I I I don't really have one. I mean, maybe it's it, it's Bush to something. I, I think Dale Jr. obviously knows more than he's saying directly. It's just a matter of. What is he actually trying to tell us, or is he just trying to stir the pot for fun? He might be just trying to stir that pot for fun. Because uh, another thought that occurred to me is maybe it's Kurt, Kyle Bush to the 23, and maybe it's Kurt Bush to the 8. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? We'll, uh, we'll definitely, I'm sure we're going to talk about it next week as well. Yes, I'm sure there's more to this story without a doubt. Okay, what's our next hot topic, Mike? Well, this is a driver move that we do know about, but it's kind of it slipped past us because there was a lot of other big news going on. But a couple of weeks ago, Daniel Suarez re-signed with Trackhouse Racing for next year. So Daniel yeah. Suarez will be back in the 99 again for, with Trackhouse for his third year with the team. Yeah. Um, you know, Daniel Suarez is one of those um, one of those drivers that I've followed for a long, long time. Uh, when he was in the ARCA and – and well, at that time it was Canon Pro Series, and he was in the Mexico Series. We had him on the show several times, and uh, it's just been fun watching his career progress uh, through all of the ups and downs that Daniel Suarez has been through. Uh, I'm real happy uh, for him at Trackhouse Racing, and now to hear that they're resigning him, I think um, I continue to be happy uh, for Daniel Suarez. I've seen him make some big strides. I've seen him be a, a huge student of a driver like uh, Kyle Busch, for instance. Uh, I'm sure Kyle Busch, I think, at one time said he was, uh, you know, uh, he always asked really good questions, and he spent a lot of time with Daniel Suarez as he continued to uh, develop his career and was willing to do that. So, anyway, I, I'm just real happy for Daniel Suarez. I, I think he's very deserving uh, being back with uh, Trackhouse Racing, one of the things I love about Trackhouse Racing is the camaraderie and the team support that those drivers feel at that organization. And um, uh, I just think Justin Marks and uh, uh, Pitbull, they, they've just done a really, really good job at Trackhouse Racing, and I can't think of – I think Daniel Suarez feels at home at that organization. So I'm glad to see him going back there. Can you bump Daniel that Suarez one up a, by any chance? I just, I, can't put the, I just put the covered tag on it, so it should sort back okay. to, the, uh, to the latest on the feed. Yep. Okay, uh, Daniel you. Suarez was one of the – yeah, he was one of the featured drivers on the first episode of Race for the Championship, which, again, if you haven't watched Race for the Championship, please 
all you listeners mm-hmm. out there, please watch Race of the Championship. It's phenomenal. But Daniel Suarez is one of the featured drivers on the first episode. You really got a good look into him, not just as a race car driver that we see on Sunday, but Daniel as a person and the struggles that he went through. When he first came to the U.S. from Mexico, he had nothing. No family to speak of, no friends to speak of. He was basically living in a one-bedroom apartment, eating cereal for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, just trying to scrape by and make it as a race car driver. So it's phenomenal to see him come through a very rocky career. I think this is the first third year that he's going to have with the team because he did two years at Joe Gibbs Racing. They let him go. He did two years at Stuart House Racing. They let him go. And then Trackhouse picked him up. And I think he said it in the show. Obviously, he's not going to go on there and, and bag on track house. But I genuinely believe that when he says he's finally found a team that fits for him, he feels welcome, he feels at home, he feels like they have shared common goals. I genuinely believe that that's exactly how he feels about it. He got his first career cup win with track house. I don't think this will be his last career cup win, that's for sure. They've cooled off a little bit in the past couple of weeks, but especially in the, at the beginning to the middle of the season, Daniel Suarez and that 99 team, were they were a threat just about every weekend. And they had some issues at the beginning of the race in Darlington and rallied and was running in the top 10 for a good bit of the back half of the race there. So I think Daniel Suarez and that 99 team are a great fit, and I expect, them to, see, expect to see great things from them for the remainder of this season. I don't know if he's going to make it all the way to, to Phoenix and race for a championship. That's, that's a long bridge for a driver on his second year with a second-year team. But I think they just got, they've got nowhere to go but up from here. Absolutely. It broke my heart when I heard Daniel say he was eating Cocoa Crisp for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then sometimes going to bed, you know, kind of um, uh, crying. And, and just feeling lonely being out of his country and all alone uh, trying to pursue his dream uh, within NASCAR. Uh, I can only imagine what he went through. I know he told us on uh, Fan for Racing Radio years ago that one of the ways he learned English is by watching the soap operas and watching TV, and that was part of what really helped him uh, develop his, his uh, English. And I listen to Daniel now, and he's so fluent in the English language now, um, and and I'm just so happy for him. I really am. And he's one of those guys that is always happy. You never see him being sad. So when he was saying that he was having those sad feelings, uh, being alone here in a a new country and and everything all by himself, uh, it made me feel sad for him, but... uh, uh, I'm so happy for him at this point, and 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 I know we're going to see really great things from Daniel Suarez as his uh, career continues to develop. He's doing all the right I, things, I could, Mike. Yeah, he absolutely is. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I'm really excited to see Daniel Suarez continue to grow as a race car driver, and and like I said in the in my previous reply. That first win that he got at Sonoma, I think, is just one of many that he's going to get. That team has still got some ups and downs. They've still got some growing pains to go through. But they've shown a lot more consistency this year than they did last year. And if they continue to build on that consistency, they're going to be a serious threat for the championship again next year. And I really look forward to seeing it. Yes, indeed. I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. Okay, so let's, what's our next topic? 
Well, I'm going to have to dig back again. We, got, we covered the two big ones, which was the North Wilkesboro and Kyle Bush news. So I'm digging back to some of the ones that we've missed before. And I don't think we've talked about Greg Ives leaving the number 88 team at the end of the season, have we? Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think we have. Um, let me see if I can. Can you bump that one up for me? I sure can. But, uh, yeah, this was uh, actually the same day that the Suarez news came out. Uh, Greg Ives announced that this was going to be his last season as the crew chief for the number 88 Chevrolet, currently driven by Alex Bowman with Hendrick Motorsports. Greg Ives has been with that team for, I'm sorry, the 48 now. It used to be the 88, and that's kind of where I'm going with this. Greg (laughs) Ives has been with that team for for not, not, not forever, but I think he is the longest tenured crew chief at Hendrick Motorsports right now. Um, I think he came in a year or so before Alan Gustafson. I could be wrong on there. Don't don't come after me if I'm wrong. But my point is he was there for Dale Jr. Uh, and for many years with Dale Jr., won a lot of races with him. He's been there for Alex Bowman's entire career when Alex was driving the 88 car. He crew chief for Jeff Gordon when Dale Earnhardt Jr. was injured and Jeff Gordon was filling in, and now he's stepping away. He says his primary reason is the grind of the travel, and the NASCAR Cup Series Mm -hmm. is a very long season, and there is one off weekend the entire season. So 36 races, you are gone for 36 weekends out of the year. And when you're trying to raise kids, trying to have a – fairly normal life it's really difficult when you miss literally every single weekend to go to work and it's not like he's just missing the weekend he's got the entire week to prepare for the races as well so it wouldn't shock me if he's doing 50 60 hours a week before they even travel to the racetrack with the amount of work that it takes to prepare a cup series team to be a to perform at a level that you would expect the 48 car to perform at. It's a tremendous amount of time and responsibility that's placed on him. And as great as it is to be a Cup Series crew chief, I can't blame him one bit for wanting to step away and take some time with the family. Yeah, I agree with you. This is a tough grind for a lot of these folks that work with NASCAR uh, on a 36-race season. And it does take its toll. Uh, So when – some of these guys are stepping away to spend more time with their families. Uh, you, I appreciate uh, where they're coming from with that. I, I used to have a job that I did a lot of traveling, and Mike, you probably can appreciate it too with the travel schedule that you have. Um, I've been in, you know, sometimes I'm in four different cities in a matter of five days, and I wake up in the middle of the night wondering where the heck am I. So. I understand where they're coming from. It's a little bit different with these guys. They're on the road every single weekend, except for those breaks that you're talking about. And there was another crew chief that is stepping away as well. Uh, And uh, uh, Justin Alexander is not returning to crew chief for Austin Dillon in 2023. So that's interesting as well. so, and he says the same thing. This sport is a grind. Uh, it was about having some more time. Him and I actually are uh, one off weekend we had this year. We spent it together in the Bahamas for our vacation. He just realizes to him what's important, and that's family, and you have to respect and love that. So, it's the same kind of thing that uh, is happening with Justin Alexander and how tough this schedule is on uh, the crew chiefs. Uh, you know, a lot of times the 
the uh, drivers are able to bring their families along, but a lot of these crew chiefs aren't able to do that. You know, these families have activities uh, that are happening at home. The kids have school activities. Uh, they have all kinds of things that they're doing uh, at home, uh, whether it's camps or, or whatever, uh, that are keeping them busy, and they can't always be at the track uh, with Dad, who's doing his job. So, uh, you know, there's two crew chiefs within a short period of time uh, that are both stepping away for the same reason, and it's the grind. So, yeah, you gotta you got to appreciate and respect uh, a guy who's putting his family ahead of uh, uh, his work. And these guys are talented guys. Uh, I have no doubt that these guys are going to find other jobs uh, that are not going to be as demanding. And maybe within the same organizations, uh, they could still go back to RCR or back to HMS, but just in roles that are less demanding and not on the road I all think, the time. I'm not sure about Justin Alexander. I don't know that he's announced what he's doing next year. If he has, I don't know it off the top of my head. I do know that Greg Ives has said he's accepted a non-traveling position with Hendrick Motorsports. So Greg Ives does oh, have a position go. for next year. Yeah, yeah, okay, and it is within the same organization. So he's just stepping down from that crew chief role, and and like I said, I respect that. I, I know I've had to make decisions like that in my career along the way as well, and uh, uh, I think family is very, very important, and I respect those guys for putting that first. I don't have a whole lot more to say there. I, you, you hit the nail on the head with the, the grind and the difficulty of being away all the time. I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm not at my house right now. I've got a uh, basically a room in a townhouse that I rent in Memphis, and I spend half my time on the road every, every given month. And you start doing that enough, you start feeling like a guest in your own house. And it just, it's tough. It, it, it's a tough decision because on one hand, how, how you got to pay the bills. You know, you got to do right. what you what you need to do to pay the bills. But on the other hand, I, I'm, I don't have any kids, but guys who have kids, well, you're checking in on the kids a couple times a month, and every time you see them, they're a couple inches taller. They've done things, you know, they had a, a sports game that you missed or something like that. And eventually that starts wearing down on you. Jimmy Johnson cited that as a reason why he ended up retiring yep. when he did is – he wanted to spend more time with his family. He's, he's running the full-time IndyCar series schedule this year, which is only 22 races. And he said even that is just it's approaching being too much. And I don't blame him. We as race fans can be a little greedy sometimes. We love watching our races every single weekend, and I'm just as, as yep. guilty of it. When there's, when there's not a race on over the weekend, I feel lost. During the Cup Series offseason, the whole two months that the Cup Series doesn't race out of the year, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm bored to death. I love watching racing yeah. on TV, and a lot of times for us as fans, it's difficult to appreciate what that takes out of the people, not just the drivers, not just the crew chiefs, but the over-the-wall crews, the, the hauler drivers, the media people, everyone who's traveling on a week-to-week-to-week basis to make this happen for us as the fans. Sometimes it's easy for us to forget that. So keep that in mind when you're watching our uh, our beloved sport every weekend the, the amount of human effort and sacrifice that goes into it, and you're talking about people who are basically missing the growth of their children to put on the show for mm-hmm. us that we enjoy watching every weekend. That's right. And and I remember that NASCAR used to have a tagline, too, that uh, it was, NASCAR, NASCAR racing is not an event. It's a lifestyle. 
and and that is so true. Uh, it, it becomes a, a lifestyle, uh, a, a way of living your life uh, for these drivers and crew members. And the kids do reach an age, you know, they can travel with with dad and mom. Uh, to each of the racetracks up to a certain age, but at a certain age, they've got school activities, they've got their friends, uh, they've got things that they want to do during the summer. And mom has to stay at home and, and be with the kids and, and kind of support them and their growth and what they want to pursue as a career. So I totally understand it. And, and Mike, I appreciate uh, you understanding that as well and, and having appreciation for it and, and giving it to us from your perspective as well. So where do we go from here, Mike? Well, I really don't have a whole lot more to add. I wish the very best to uh, to Greg Ives and Justin Alexander and anyone else who's deciding to stay out on the road and, and put on the show for us. Thank you so much for all you do. I really appreciate it. And uh, that's really all I have to add on that topic. Okay. Uh, any other hot topics? We, we can probably – no, we're getting pretty close to the top. Let's go ahead and end it for tonight. Um, and then sure, I know Mike is, or not Mike, uh, Jay is looking forward to uh, co-hosting all next week. He'll be on uh, the show Monday night, uh, subbing for Sal, who subbed for him tonight. And a big thank you to Sal for doing that, and a big thank you for Jay uh, for stepping in on Monday. And then he'll be back with us. Uh, in fact, next week I think we're going to have to talk because I think we'll have to do a podcast on Wednesday morning uh, because there's a race that will be taking place on Thursday night with the Arkham Menard series uh, out at uh, Bristol. So it's one of those weeks where there's a Thursday night race and rather than do the race show, we'll probably do a podcast. So I have to talk to Jay about that and see if we can uh, work that out for sometime on Wednesday. So kind of keep that in, in your mind as well, Mike on whether or not you might be able to help out with the hot topics on Wednesday morning. I should be able to. Just let me know when you figure out a time, and I'll give you a for sure yes or no. Okay. Usually Jay wants to start around 1030 or so, um, so we can be done by about 12 or 1230. Let's see, 1030, 1230. We'd be done by about 1 o'clock. So, um that's the usual time frame that we go with, but I'll keep you posted because it might be different this week. Who knows? Absolutely. Just let me know. So, again, for listeners, uh, kind of keep that in mind to watch for our podcast uh, next week for the Thursday night preview show. And then we will have Christian Rose is back with us on our uh Monday night show, he races with uh, Cook Racing Technology in the Arkham Menard Series, and he's going to be racing at Kansas Speedway this weekend. He's, uh, I saw a post from him earlier today, and he's thinking he can get a top ten finish out there uh, and is shooting for that out of Kansas. So it's going to be fun to be able to talk to him after that race. Uh, so I always look forward to talking to Christian Rose, driving the number 42 in the Arkham Menard Series. I think it's one of the nicest looking cars on the racetracks uh, that I've seen for the uh, Virginia tourism, uh, West Virginia tourism. So uh, definitely looking forward to that conversation. Uh, and a big shout out to our fan for racing crew tonight. That was Sal Segala, uh, Jay 
Huseman for stepping in to talk about North Wilkesboro, and of course Mike Orzel, who's been here throughout our Hot Topic conversation tonight. Thank you for all that you guys do, and to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time to hear what we have to say, and I hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy doing it. So uh, thank you very much. And uh, that's it for tonight, and I'm looking forward to the races this weekend out of Kansas Speedway. Let's uh, call it a wrap. Before we go, if you don't mind, I'd like to give a big shout-out to our friend and Stanford Racing team member Tommy Kraft. He's not with us this weekend because he said he's he's getting married tomorrow. And congratulations, Tommy. If you're listening to the podcast, congratulations. I knew you had the right girl when you told me that she bought you tickets to your first race ever, and it was at Talladega. I think you got a good one. So congratulations, buddy. I'm so happy for you. Yes, we're so happy for you, uh, uh, Tommy. And uh, we certainly understand. He said he wouldn't be able to be on tonight or any time next week. So I I assume that's the honeymoon time. So uh, I'm sure he's going to be busy, and uh, we we wish him and his new wife all the best. Uh, so thanks for sharing that with us, Tommy, and uh, congratulations once again. And I'm going to do a quick shout-out as well. Today uh, would have been my dad's 95th birthday today, and I've been thinking about him all day. Oh, God, I'm going to get emotional. But uh, I miss him a lot, and um, uh, I, I just want to say happy birthday, Dad. All right, that's uh that's touching. Thank, thanks. Um, I think that that's it for me then. So uh, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. See you next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.